Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. I don't like blood and guts, but I love them when they're lengthily discussed. Have you ever slept with the enemy? <laughs> uh, what's that called with a, a, a ing a gerund? A gerund, yeah. Hmm. Have I ever slept with the enemy after I had been sleeping with the enemy? Have you ever saved Private Ryan or been John Malkovich? <gasps> um, no, I, I haven't ever slept with the enemy. Um, uh, or have I ever slept with a frenemy? <sighs> More importantly. Uh, Matt, have you ever been sleeping with the enemy or slept with the enemy? Or will sleep with the enemy? No, I don't believe so because fully I do not understand this title. I, I get it, but it is a strange title. I would put it in Pacific Heights territory. Of, it is. Good point. She's sleeping with, he's the enemy. I get that. You could even say from her husband's perspective, like she's sleeping with the enemy, his rival. But it's it's not... It's not nailing what's happening here exactly. True, true. And whoever the enemy is, whether it's Mustachio Pete (laughs) or Bearded Ben, uh, 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 whoever's perspective it is, there's rarely any much sleeping with that person. Like, I can't think of when... There's really a sleeping shot with Mustachio Pete or a sleeping shot with Beer Barato because I think they don't mean sleeping. Sex sexting with the if they made a modern day re flesh sexting, flesh sexting, but they never have sex either. Her and Ben, sure, they no, not Ben, but oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. But, um, okay, so they're meaning sexing it up with the enemy, my husband. That should have been parentheses, Mustachio Pete. Pete. <laughs> what is I couldn't, I okay, no, I just what, what's the character's name? I know Laura and Ben, yeah, but, good question. I know his last name is Bernie, right? Or McBurney? Or McBurney. McBurney. 
Yeah, what is his name? I just, in my notes, I just kept writing mustache. Yeah. And I was trying to keep my ears perked, but, um, uh, you know, because he has that mustache. Well, I mean, we should talk about that before we get into business because this <laughs> is an interesting time. <laughs> this is an interesting time to have a mustache in the world because, you know, mustache is really like Halley's Comet of when <laughs> when you can have one and not be seen as a creep or a bad guy. So let's say the 1970s were high time. From for, from Burt Reynolds to Tom Selleck in yes. the early 80s. That is the... That good was, guy mustache. Uh, good guy mustache. But it's rare. And, uh, you know, our, our collected theory here that all trends last seven years. Uh-huh. Uh, does that work with the mustache? I think generally because just because you'll see them outside of a seven-year window doesn't mean that the people that have them are fashionable. You know, they're either... But if Burt Reynolds post-deliverance had that mustache, which was what, 70... Did he have it before Smokey and the Bandit? Of course. That's 75. I'm not... Longest yard, no mustache, right? No, I don't think so. And, and Smokey and the Bandit, 77... And then he had it, I think, most of the rest of his life until he had a beard. But if then Selleck kind of had that mustache and then it ran out of flavor maybe around 80, mid-80. I mean, I know he rocked that mustache yeah. for the rest of his career. Yeah. But um, anyway, just saying that, you know, this Haley's Comet theory, but like seven, but it streaks across the sky for seven years. And there's even a good like mustache. anticipation of it, of like, get your mustaches ready. It's a coming. But if you look at like the tombstone era of the, the late <laughs> West, like late, late 19th century, you get your Halley's Comet coming around late 20th century. Now you could make a case that they're back in now, but all I know is that in the late eighties and early nineties, if you had a mustache, you were a creep or a bad guy. And so I think they probably looked at Patrick Bergen in this, even though his character is diabolical and went, he's just kind of too tall, dark and handsome. Give him a mustache. Then we know he's a bad guy, like a melodramatic mustache twirling bad guy. Oh, there was a point near the end of the movie. There was a close up of him with a arched eyebrow. Yes. yes. And a huge, just like complete, like, yeah, melodrama mustached villain. And I wrote in my notes, I was like, because uh, she was holding the gun at him and like quivering what he was like looking at her arch eyebrow. And I was like, what if he grabbed the gun, <laughs> took her, tied her to some railroad yes. tracks, and then Ben had to come and save her? Or he just busts in the door going, you must pay the rent. <laughs> you can't pay the rent. Ben comes in. I'll pay the rent. Oh, Ben, thank you. Thank you. My hero. Um, um, and... <laughs> Also, the close-up shot on him not drinking from the water fountain, but lapping water oh. up into his mustache repeatedly. <laughs> what I thought it was was like a lion-like. Yeah, you know when there's like a, a pool of water in a uh, the Sahara. Yes, and then it kind of comes up and just goes. Yeah, yeah. He, like was, he was doing that it. thing where like he's using his tongue to pool like the water a ladle. Up. Like a ladle into yeah. his mouth. I was like, it's so funny because there is no confusion or big uh, ambiguity whether this man is good or not. No. 
So to be at minute 70, to be having an extended close up of his mouth, (laughs) villainously like taking up water. It's so funny to be like, we need this because there might still somebody in the audience who doesn't know he's a bad guy. (laughs) Anyway, I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. This yes. is with Gorley and Rust. Yes. I'm Matt Gorley. Uh, I am Paul Rust. Uh, I loved uh, your observation about the mustache. Because, yeah, when I first saw Sleeping with the Enemy, um, the trailer for it, the commercials on TV, and I saw that guy with a mustache, I did a double take because I just hadn't seen a mustache on my screen in so long that's like how you're right profound it was to see a man rocking a mustache in spring of 91 i the only other mustache i can think of is when bruce willis as the jackal is in disguise and he's a bad guy in that movie Well, the don't forget about her mustache. Oh, right. Oh, my God. And she has an extended close-up drinking from uh, Fountain for too long. That's right. What is this? With her, I'm kind of like, does she see his reflection in the drinking fountain? And then then she's going to go like, oh, he's behind me. But no. I was like, it's so funny that the like suspense and panic of that scene was like... (laughs) The real mustache and the fake mustache are colliding. Oh my god! It it is a like just uh, unstoppable mustache and an immovable mustache. <laughs> and uh, now we'll get back to the real and the fake and the, yeah. her mm, strange stubble that pops up out of nowhere at the very yeah. end. There, right before she goes to the fat, that wasn't there originally. Before. What's we'll going get back on? To that. Okay, okay. This is with mustache and rust, with gustache and gust. And we do a little easy listening uh, horror suspense thriller podcast here. That's right. It goes on at length. It's Mm -hmm. a cozy cast. Mm -hmm. You can uh, find out and get much more bonus content at with Gorley and Rust or patreon.com slash with Gorley and Rust, where we've just uh, recorded... Uh, one of our regular mailbag episodes with three of the MVP trustees who just couldn't have been more delightful. Our best mailbag yet? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. That's Umar Ditta, Brantley Palmer, and Dustin Kraft. We do feature-length commentaries. We do awards shows, like, I mean, up there with the Oscars about how cozy movies are. Yeah, and uh, we have no controversies at our award ceremony. That's right. No one's slapping anybody there. No confused uh, which one, what, who won what. Yeah. In our (laughs) world, when Marissa Tomei wins an award, she (laughs) got that award. Rumor mill or no. And um, my feeling is, Marissa, you may accept that award. (laughs) I think she won it. (laughs) So, uh, we also do feature-length commentaries, and coming up this month is Halloween 5, and then next month, in lieu of a commentary, mm. here's what we're going to do. We even recorded this episode a little, the one we're talking in now, a little late because we were brainstorming how Paul and I are going to get to the theater and watch Halloween Ends, and how do we deliver that to yeah, you, the Yeah, we're recording listener. this about, like, you know what, 20 minutes, half hour later, because we were yeah. just buzzing with excitement oh, yeah. here, talking to your wife, Amanda. And we went to see... Got a text back from my wife. And the verdict is? Oh, fun, two exclamation points. Great. Okay, so this is official. 
When we saw Halloween 2018, the four of us went together, Leslie, Amanda, you and me. That's right. And then because of COVID, everybody watched Halloween Kills indoors. Yeah. Well, we were indoors for the original, but you know what I mean. And now the four of us are going to cap this off, bookend it. Thursday Nature is night. healing, man. Yeah, yeah. The fact that we can do this as these little bookends. Uh, and hey, I say bookends with an asterisk. Maybe there's going to be an old part four where yeah. like Laurie Strode's head is like on a mechanical body. <laughs> I hope so. Wires <laughs> keeping her alive. <laughs> or like some crossover with Leprechaun. Oh my God. What? They're holidays. <laughs> that's true. And that's coming up. That's true too. And so uh, we are going to go see that and we will drop a First Reactions podcast recorded prior to seeing it, right mm-hmm. before it, and immediately after. It will be a little mini-sode just yeah. for Patreon subscribers. Because we got tickets for a Thursday night. Yes. And that'll drop then, mm-hmm. you know, the next day or whatever. Yeah. And then in lieu of the November commentary, we will have a deeper dive on Halloween ends. That's great. And that's all for Patreon subscribers. Yep. Yep. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Now, if you subscribe at the Xenomorph, the baby Xenomorph level, you get your name shouted out. All you got to do is subscribe at the Xenomorph level and email us at withgorleyandrust at gmail.com. So first up, we have Kyle Campbell. We have Reed Allen Waltz. And we have Matthew Hunter. James Sutherland. Uh, and... James Menchu, and finally, Marcus Lochner. Hey, thanks, y'all. Yes. Much appreciated. Oh, Marcus Wayne. Oh, uh, Marcus he's got Wayne. two names. Well, more hey. power to you. All right. And then um, uh, I'm trying to think if there's any other business. Do you have any other? Oh, you know what? The Townland uh, Honey <gasps> yes, on yes, the yes. Hi-Fi vinyl is now available for pre-order if you go to mattgorley.com slash townland or actually if you just go to mattgorley.com on the front page you'll find a way to get there that's great and uh, uh, yes I wanted to mention you should mention uh, the townland record which is fantastic oh thank uh, you uh, best album of the year <laughs> truly <laughs> I love it and uh, um, uh, the other thing I was going to say was uh, uh, um, uh, oh the the James Bonding podcast. That's right. The James Bonding podcast is back. We're re-releasing all of the entire back catalog week by week because it's been behind a dingy old paywall for years now. And who's we? Matt Myra and I. Matt Myra and you, your James Bonding podcast. I said briefly to you before we started recording, Matt, it's what made me... Uh, uh, get to know you from afar, parasocial much, uh-huh. and uh, just really like your <laughs> perspective and opinions and points of view on movies. Oh. And so it made me so stoked then when we could start talking horror movies. So everybody, uh, uh, and I love the 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 two mats. You guys are so great, such a great oh, pair buddy. talking about uh, uh, your love. It's all love. It's oh. all love over at the James Bonding podcast. Well, if you listen long enough. You'll come across the episode where you first join us on there. Right. And also, I plan to do this at the same sort of thing with I Was There Too, because I recently got those episodes back. And Amazing. if you're a Patreon subscriber, you can go on there and listen to the episode where I had you on. And we yes. we had met once before, but very mm-hmm. briefly, but mm-hmm. we had never really talked. And that's where right. we became friends, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. We met briefly a couple times. And then I listened to the podcast. 
And then I went to your website. I read your review. Oh, that's right. Oh, and then, and then, uh, and then uh, the famous, very famous tweet exchange where about Friday the 13th. Uh, part so, two, where it all began. Yes. Uh, uh, <laughs> um, but uh, uh, any other? Uh, I should say, oh, the vinyl is, is there's a limited quantity and it's signed by the band. So Fantastic. act now or yeah. eat back chow. <laughs> and if you want to know what back chow is. Yeah. So I'm glad you did that. If you're wondering what back chow is. Don't even bother buying. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like if you have to ask how expensive price front chow is, <laughs> you should you know because ask. if you're watching the prices right and back chow comes up, you want to know how. That just sounds like they have like Sorry. leftover like puppy ch- uh, yeah. dog chow. Yeah, they have to know. unload it. That's what I heard about uh, tab open about Double Dare was that the food no uh, was. Not necessarily spoiled, but past its expiration date and could no longer be sold in supermarkets. So that's like how they could, they weren't wasting food technically. But uh, it is funny to think when kids like fall into those like Sundays, big Sundays, and they're like putting their mouth being like, "Ah!" oh God, how many of them got food poisoning? That's like that. Just by being next to Mark Summers. (laughs) (laughs) That opening scene in Diamonds Are Forever where Blofeld is like a Blofeld clone is in a, a healing mud pit <laughs> Oh yeah. is made of mashed potatoes. And yeah. every report from that day said it was because it's boiling and the lights are on it. Just was disgusting by the end of the day. Oh, like it smelled bad too? Yeah. Hmm, I would think it just kind of smelled like nice French fried potatoes. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that wasn't the Pleasance Blofeld, though, right? No, that because was the he Charles loved Gray. It. Yeah, he would have. I love the smell. <laughs> oh, and if uh, <laughs> you guys like Luba's voices, there's a bunch of them on that Halloween 5 commentary. Oh, uh, no kidding. Yeah, that was yeah, a yeah. fun commentary. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, um, so yeah, what was your experience, Matt, with, uh, the, the, the sleeping with the enemy? You know, I was trying to remember that because I was trying to remember that because I was asking. <laughs> I'm glad you called it out, buddy. Oh, 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 that was going to your balls, dude. I mean, I probably had this voice around that time this movie came out. Cause One I was... to sleeping with the enemy, please. <laughs> One. <laughs> I think in um, about 31 years, I'll be doing a podcast about this. So <laughs> I don't know. 18 years old. You yeah. probably had a date on a Friday night. Come on. No, but uh, yes, yeah, so I was a senior in high school and I thought I had seen this and I don't think I have. Mm-hmm. Um, so that mm-hmm. was fun. I, I probably did, but I have zero recollection of it. Theater I remember it was a hit or anything like that. I must know. I don't think I saw it in the theater. I mm-hmm. probably would have seen it on video somehow, but I remember it being a big deal. And then, you know, reading Brantley Palmer's wonderful notes, he sends us every week that hearing yes, that thank you Brantley. Julia Roberts was cast in this before Pretty Women came out but she was cast on the basis of the director seeing a 5 minute advanced clip of Pretty Woman wow. yeah i know and so he I read put that. her in this movie and that she likely wouldn't have been in it if she, if she was cast after because she was a runaway hit by that point and that's telling too that there's no other really known actors patrick bergen kind of but what what's ben been in before had 
No, it's very much like uh, uh, I I don't know to yeah. answer your question. I was trying to like I would kept looking at his face and trying to imagine it without the beard or the William Cat style mane of curls. Yeah, uh, I love curls. I'm not putting down curls. Oh, not me. I hate them. Uh, <laughs> my, my daughter's got them. I love them. <laughs> well, um, when Julia Roberts and uh, when Ben and Laura share a screen together, the curl quote curl oh, quotient God, was I like. Know. Already filled at the box office for 1991 that year. I want to look up what that what that guy's from. I should have done this earlier, but um, the Kevin theater distributors were calling up Hollywood and were like, "Can we get some more bald people in movies?" The cruel <laughs> quotient is they're coming out of the screen. He hasn't done a ton. He was in Orphans from 1987 and Charlotte's Web from 2006. Hmm. Boy, yeah, he really a voice of Charlotte's Web or live action? I guess, I yeah. And Orphans is a mm. yeah. It was a, I think a small release. It wasn't. He was in a Miami Vice episode called Blue Wacko. No, that was his character name, Blue Wacko. He's in Risky Business. Oh, that's so crazy! Because I knew Michael Jackson was supposed to be an Avatar, playing a Navi. Is that true? I wonder if his name was supposed to be Blue Wacko. Uh, <laughs> why Why couldn't I see that coming? Because it's stupid as shit. <laughs> <laughs> he played Robert Kennedy in Hoffa. Oh. Oh, okay. That's cool. Um, and how about you? Do you remember your first love? <laughs> uh, I saw it on video. And uh, much like the seventh seal mm. previously discussed on another uh, episode. I uh, hope we cover that someday. Uh, yeah. We should do like religious. Possession. Yeah. Yeah. Like Satan is second coming Antichrist movies. Or yes. Something. End of days kind of movies. Yeah. End That'd of days. Fun. The omen. Exorcist. Ooh. Demon. 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 Yeah. Demon nights. Yeah. We'll, we'll do demon night. Have to do Demon Knight, though. yeah. Uh, and then, as long as we're doing Tales for the Crypt movies, we'll do Bordello of Blood, which I just watched last week. Oh, wow, wow, yeah. uh, such a cheap movie! You can see I've never seen it. A scene, a fog machine, <laughs> like just off doing the little puff plumes of, yeah, like <laughs> what fog or mist in, wor- in the world works that way. Uh, Oof. Puff. Only like a bubbling bog that has like <laughs> steam in it when the bubbles pop and it goes poof. <laughs> yeah. Unless there's a bubbling bog around yeah. there near a bayou. Yeah. I'm not buying it. <laughs> uh, but um, uh, I had previously mentioned my sister. You know, I have two older sisters and uh, they rented the seventh uh, sign uh, once. And uh, so. I always, I would say 90% gets thrown around as a figure lot, but I would say probably 90% of the time I liked the rentals that my older sisters would bring back. Yes. Like Sleeping with the Enemy was really cool. Right. And I think it's R-rated, right? So the fact that I was like probably. getting to watch a R-rated film in the daytime. It is rated R. Yeah, yeah with my sisters 
just also felt cool. Yeah. Oh, God, that's got to be great. And we all liked, uh, as I'm sure I mentioned before, my family loved thrillers and suspense movies. So, like, it didn't matter that this was rated R. My parents were like, yeah, we're all going to watch Sleepy with the Enemy. It's fun. Yeah. And I think it was one of those times, too, where the tape kind of, like, got watched three times by different family members. Oh, so you yeah. could kind of pop in during scenes. So... And then I watched a few scenes over cable. Like I definitely remember the um, watching in the last few years the scene where the guy goes and talks to the mom. Oh yeah, and like spooks her out um, right. and feeds her and stuff like that. I um, recognized her too. What do I recognize her from? Oh, the the mother. Yeah, yeah. She's from uh, Crucible. She's from Unbreakable, and All My Children. Huh. Hmm. Um. She she passed away. Today, <laughs> <laughs> June eleventh, two thousand. Uh, okay, so uh, um, uh, yeah. Oh, 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 oh. So didn't remember much. Oh, and I, but I feel like the um, cooked bunny scene or whatever at the time when it came out, and any time i've caught parts of it or people have ever talked about it the thing that seems to be is the like he's back and he's showing himself by tidying things up with the cans yes. of the club that was like i remember yeah. kind of the thing people always talked about i know and and don't you like the <laughs> towel touch is great yes then to think he actually goes and does that whole cabinet is a little bit much because we've already gotten yes. the point <gasps> what if he trained at home by doing perfection that game where he to put the little pieces <laughs> yes, in he's yes. like perfectly well like leaving aside that this guy's a homicidal maniac he is clearly an untreated ocd case yeah maybe it's fine to do it to yourself buddy but then when you're choosing somebody's lipstick that's when you cross the line yeah that's true your rights end at the end of your mustache (sighs) and at the beginning of her fake mustache oh my god um but yeah uh uh, i remember each time watching it thinking it's a it's a real hoot to watch it is fun when you said the pretty woman thing though about how oh they got her before her fame or rate went up but they knew about the talent from Pretty Woman, so it was just like being able to... Um, I did think... We can talk about it more later, but uh, if Pretty Woman had not existed, I'm going to highly doubt that a sequence in Sleeping with the Enemy would have included an extended costume-wearing montage with her like oh, boyfriend. Oh, no, with- right. A oldies song that's about the woman. It's that's either right. like we all know the pretty woman taking her out, her looking in the mirror at her different outfits montage set to pretty woman. And yeah. this is brown eyed girl. Before that, when she comes in and he's cooking and playing music, it's my girl. Yeah. <laughs> like that scene I loved. It was so cozy, especially a theater department junkie oh, like know. me. Just see different Same. plays and costumes and stuff was so fun. But you're right. That, that seems late ad and also the only part in the movie that seemed kind of improvised. And it has one of those trademark Julia Roberts spontaneously laughing, yes. which is the money shot of a Julia Roberts movie. It's, you know, like what won her everything in 
pretty woman, but I think you all know that thing I'm talking about. It's more than just a someone laughing. It's her like, like her just smile goes enormous and yes. she's known for it. And I think you get that in your movie and everyone's a fan. I mean, how do you not love that? She's bewitching. You know? I love imagining that, Matt, that it's like they shot that scene. Maybe it was around, like they started at like 9 a.m. that day. And then they get the scene at like 11.30 a.m. of her laughing. And the director's like, we can go home. Mm-hmm. Like, we just accomplished like $50 million at the box office because we'll put that in the trailer and people will pay top dollar yeah. to see this person smile. Uh, While wearing um, like a, different things. A snood Enjoyed from the Renaissance. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, I mean, she is uh, absolutely a radiant. And uh, this movie was... Uh, uh, fortunate to have her uh, talents uh, in the movie, especially like at the end there. I mean, throughout the whole movie, she's hitting all the suspense thriller beats in a dramatic, like interesting way. I'm always yeah. like believing it. Uh, that's what Brantley notes said too about Joseph Rubin. The director was like, Oh, everything she did felt true. And uh that's really great in a thriller, you know, yeah. like everything she did. I was just like, oh, I'm buying all this. Uh, um, the uh, And then at the end, that's not a but. This is a, and then at the end when she was holding the gun and stuff and having to show real fear, but also trying to be brave, whatever that moment is that somebody has to be, totally believed it. And it made me think, oh, yeah, yeah. man, I wish Julia Roberts was a, in all kinds of thrillers. She's like amazing. I, I mean, I know she has to be in other Pelican Brief and uh, that Amazon or the Hulu series she did, I know had thriller elements, but oh, like. The one based on the podcast? Yeah. Yeah. What was that called? I forget. I didn't see it. Uh, yeah. I just know that it had, it was a thriller. Yeah. Uh, um, right. But I love it. It's, it's And then for it to be so, I did like all the romance. Yeah. And so that for it to be romantic and scary and, uh, for it, for it to go from a rom-com montage <laughs> right. into a guy's like stalking outside and looking through a window POV shot like and within after a few minutes. Having come from spousal abuse and domestic violence and stuff like that too, to get to that fairly, I think, capably. Yeah. Is, yeah. Yeah. I mean, other eyes could watch it and call it corny, I know. But, but uh I see, I think that's an unfair judgment on this movie because this movie this is a really good case of judging a movie for what it is and what it already knows. This movie is perfect for what it's trying to be and what it knows mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. It's not The Godfather mm-hmm. and it's not a schlock movie. It's right. a thriller. Yeah. And so you have to have a little bit of pulp in your thriller. You just yeah. have to. It has to be slightly juicy. Like just. I like the orange juice yeah. metaphor. Yeah. That. Just the, the labeling of no pulp, some pulp. Homestyle pulp, which just means a lot of it. <laughs> yeah. Like all of those taste good. It's just kind of a matter of how much uh, you right. want the pulp. And I think as we go <laughs> along in this this uh, season, it's going to get more and more pulpy. Because, you know, yes. Fatal Attraction had a little pulp, but it was more like kind of pretty uh, adult style mm-hmm. erotic pulp. And then Pacific Heights has... Uh, you know, a little pulp. This has a little pulp. Hand in the Rock's Cradle is probably going to have a little more. I think Slivers is going to be just full of pulp. Yeah, it'll, it won't even All be pulp. liquid. Yeah. You'll have to like 
<laughs> out in the bottom of the plastic jug with the palm of your hand to get the pulp to come out of the, <laughs> the opening. It's going to be that little like tray frozen. left uh, when you on your juicer that just uh, all the fiber. Uh, what about those hard can concentrate? Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. That's the, the, like slushy concentrate. Uh, that's what sliver is. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because uh, right, like fatal attraction. We were talking about how it's like. Uh, from the maker, literally, I think, you know, from the producers of, like, ordinary people. Right. So, like, you're looking at it through the lens of almost like a drama. Which is pulp-free, that movie. Uh, uh, Fatal Attraction. Uh-uh. Oh, Ordinary People is complete, yes, is no pulp. Yeah. Might not even be orange juice. No, it's, it's like water juice. with orange coloring in it. I mean, it's okay. It's like high C. <laughs> it's uh, like McDonald's orange drink that they don't make anymore, God damn it. They, yeah. Yeah. Man, birthday parties at McDonald's was a guarantee of that orange drink. It's like, oh, I loved it. Can I get this through an IV? I know, because it wasn't carbonated. That grimace brings over to me. (laughs) As a kid, I couldn't handle carbonated soda very well. Yeah, it made your tummy feel weird? No, just like, I guess I had a sensitive mouth or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I could do it. Listen, I could do it. I mean, I was a wimp, okay? If it came down to it, I could do it and don't think I couldn't and don't tell anybody I couldn't. Oh, but I just preferred the orange drink. Yeah. And the uh 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 we got a visit once McDonald's when I went to a preschool, we got to take a tour of a McDonald's in the back. Oh, we did too. That yeah. was amazing. We also day. did Domino's, I remember. We got oh. to make a pizza in the back. And wow. that was cool. Okay. Uh, but um uh 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 as if that tour through McDonald's couldn't have been better. It ended with all of us getting orange drink. And tiny little cups, right? Yep. Yeah. And those waxy cups that you can yeah. kind of chew on the oh, wax. Yeah. Uh, oh. yeah. Uh, what a life. When I was talking about ordinary people, this will be a quick open and close sidebar. Um, Martin Scorsese, you know, uh, lost Best Picture, Best Director, uh, 1980 with Raging Bull to Robert Redford with Ordinary People. Uh-huh. I think Time Show... Ordinary People is a great movie. Yeah. But it's just like, eh, right. we know what's the... Right. Yeah. Uh, ten years later... We're not talking about Ordinary People anymore. Oh, wait, we are. <laughs> ten years later, Mort Scorsese is nominated for Goodfellas, uh, Best Director, Best Picture. Kevin Costner is... Direct, uh, uh, best direct. He wins for best director, dances, best with picture, wolves. dances with wolves. Do you think Martin Scorsese is like so just a pretty boy actor yeah. has to make a movie? And, uh, I mean, time shows that, uh, we're talking more about, uh, Raging Bull and Goodfellas than You're right. those two Oscar bait snooze fests. Cause when was the departed? Was there any pretty boy actors? I wondered that before. Um, well, that one was so crazy because the presenters of Best Director were Coppola, George Lucas, and Steven Spielberg. Right. So it was like, are you guys setting up like a carry situation where like it's going to be a cruel like oh a joke? <laughs> yeah, like somebody else wins. And Martin Scorsese like watches. And I was like, why is he up there with my uh, buddies? <laughs> But instead, it's Brian De Palma's blood in a bucket. Yeah. Uh, He's hanging out up there. Um, Yeah. But uh, any other um, macro thoughts? I don't think so. I I think 
one just on an overall sense. Yes. Let's just check in with the tropes before we get into please, the movie itself. Please. Because uh, there was no there was kind of a nopey because she said she said she had gone to the police and that all they could give me was a restraining order. But I also was like, well, why wouldn't why wouldn't you get that? Not blame victim blaming here, but yeah, I mean, no, a screenwriter blaming. Yeah, it's like, yeah, a, yeah, a normal person would just get the restraining order. So they were. Yeah. It wasn't quite a nopey. It was more like yeah. I mean, anyway, what would it be? An opie? An opie, Yeah. <laughs> And there was no scrapbook of any kind, right? No scrapbook. I was surprised by that. Especially like if they ever wanted to dig into Mustachio. Yeah, exactly. Like she looks like at pictures and he doesn't have one. And she's like, ooh. Oh, he doesn't have a mustache? Yeah. Or it's just a mustache. <laughs> just like it's his birth picture. <laughs> like getting weighed. Like from the hospital, it's just a mustache, and that he's and a baby also grew around it to a previous wife, and their like their wedding pictures. She's just got her arm <gasps> around a mustache. Oh my god! All the beats of the scrapbook thing, where it's like he was married, yeah. but yeah, it's a bride next to a floating mustache. <laughs> he had children. It's like a half child with a half mustache. <laughs> <laughs> the only other trope I found in this was the first act social mixer yes i don't know how much of a trope that is but it's there in fatal attraction it's not there in pacific heights but definitely the yeah and the getting ready to go out yeah which we even clocked in a eyes wide shut too like right getting ready to go out and hitting the town yeah. opening is ugh, the best and it is a trope uh, uh one that's like i mean it's so famous that it's like in screen movies and stuff but is the uh, bad person coming back to life. Yeah, right. Bouncing back. Yes, that's uh, true. At the end there, that was a. Uh, that's true. Well, there was a lot of connections to Fatal Attraction with the bath water leaking. Mm -hmm. The the yeah the, the move back to, to the country or to right. simple rural life to get away from the modern yeah. threat. <laughs> well, I mean, just getting into the opening of this movie, the first shot of her on the beach in that long sweater is so cozy. So cozy. And it's like a beautiful crimson sky. Yeah. And there's seagulls and then she's like clamming. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, you can make an argument that clamming isn't super cozy, but... Well, that's the wonder of uh, the cinematography in Julia Roberts, that it yeah. made clamming look cozy. Sh I mean... Girl, you make clammy look cozy. <laughs> I mean, the carnival at the end, I thought... Yeah. Carnivals aren't cozy for me. This reek of oil, motor oil yeah. and engines and the BO, and uh, they're noisy and barfy. And uh, I was like... God damn it, this is like the coziest carnival I've ever seen. They shot it so warmly, too. Yeah. Yeah. And as we've talked in, in the Cozy Awards, Matt, sometimes things on the beach, sand and water doesn't necessarily mean cozy. And that's reflected in his entrance. He comes in wearing a suit yeah. on a beach. Man, you got to get wearing a sweater that she's wearing. I know. Where's some big baggy bags? Well, I mean, he's by definition visually not cozy because, first of all, his you whatever you feel about mustaches, like I would say for sure, Burt Reynolds' mustache is cozy. That's it's true. all about context. His is not. He's in a suit. His house is stark and cold and modern and hard angles. Yeah, 
where she moves to a cozy cottage in Iowa. Yeah, the 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 spaces that they live in does seem to in all these movies seem to be like really either what it expresses who the person is or what they're trying to get, right? Did uh, you notice that that house has glass bricks like Pacific Heights? I did not. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's great. That's great. Yeah, uh, no, I coziest. What I was thinking in that opening scene when they present in that like amazing shot the beach house on the beach at night and she's like walking through and you can see all through the windows and stuff while he's standing in another room yeah i was like uh <laughs> it's so funny that it's like movies are like modern architecture is for fucking assholes <laughs> and then this movie is like modern beach house architecture is for <laughs> super assholes like you can't get big like and to the point of like his villainy, there are zero shades of gray no. in this man. Matt. You can't get qualified for a loan for that house unless you have a mustache. That's the- <laughs> but then how could the bank trust him? If somebody walked in there, I'd be like already bringing out the money bags to hand over to him. <laughs> like you're robbing us, right? <laughs> you're you're a trade baron, <laughs> uh, Robert. Um, yeah. Uh, do you, uh, um. What do you know about Patrick Bergen? I only know him from Patriot Games. So I've mentioned this on the podcast before. Seems to me that's not a movie that people hold in particularly high esteem, and I love it. <laughs> I don't know why. I think it's because it's so Irish, and and Harrison Ford and Ann Archer they live on a like cliffside house, and I don't know where on the East Coast. It's they're in like sweaters. It's so fucking cozy. It's got Sean Bean, Patrick Bergen, Richard Harris, oh, Samuel L. Jackson. Oh, your face! Oh, it's practically a yuppie nightmare. Oh, God. if you have somehow found yourself in a cozy East Coast cottage with Ann Archer wearing a sweater. You've made all the right choices Absolutely. in life to get there. Unless you're Michael Douglas, who has made one huge wrong choice. You biffed it up, dude. You still somehow made it there. Oh, God, I love this. People always seem to appreciate clear and present danger more. I just, I don't understand it. Where are my Patriot Games heads at? Oh, do you think it's because, um, you know, you said you like the IRA stuff. Maybe people like the idea of... Uh, Drug traffickers getting theirs more than a complicated story about. I guess. I mean, this has a little like storefront British used bookseller, like fine editions. Well, friend, we can do the uh, uh, um, Tom Clancy movies at some point. I think those qualify as like. No, people don't want to see that. We'll sound off if you do. Tom Clancy, we find out, is a longtime listener. Oh my God. I hope you guys do it. I also hope you ride on a submarine with me. (laughs) Signed, Tom Clancy. (laughs) Boys, boys, I love the podcast. Won't you wear a white suit with me? Signed, Tom Wolf. Oh, I was going to say, wow, does Tom Clancy too? Tom Wolf and Tom Clancy. They're All both together. fans of the podcast. Yeah. One is certainly dead. Yes. Which and one? I don't think the other writes those Rainbow Six novels. I think they're ghostwritten now. Yeah. Clancy. You Clancy, you 
rascal. You old potato. Clancy does sound like the name of a little rascal. Yeah, I'm sure it was. Yeah. Alfalfa. Get in here. <laughs> and bring your friend Clancy. Yeah. Because um, Bergen for me, was he in that Robin Hood movie? Like that pre-Prince of Wolves? Prince of Thieves? No. <laughs> Dances with wolves. Dances with princes. Uh, he's in. Oh yes, he is. That's okay. right. I never saw that from ninety one. I don't think I've seen that. Ninety one was a big year. Well, for... like his top four IMD movies are Sleeping with the Enemy, Patriot Games, Robin Hood, and Love Crimes from nineteen ninety two. That certainly seems like a yuppie nightmare. Yes. What's going on here? Well, An Atlanta prosecutor sets her own trap for a sexual dominator who poses as a famous photographer. Sean Young. Oh, I did have this on a, uh, I would say not a short list, but a medium list. That's good. That's good. Uh, uh, it seems like he, he's w- got a mustache in that movie. Yeah, he's this guy can't it. not play a creep, huh? I bet it's the sort of thing where if he shaves his mustache, it's like scarier. Like the collective well nation would react to him like uh, when a child has to see their parent shave a mustache. Yeah, the, he doesn't have a mustache in Patriot Games, and I will say he's not... Mm. There is a sort of um, like... He's <laughs> not as a... Uh, what's the word? Like, he doesn't have quite the edge. He's just slightly... Uh, <laughs> is it too narrow? It's like too no, short it's of a distance like, between the nose? Almost and- like folded it. I can't... This, this is no way to call But the mustache helps is what you're saying. It, it does. It, it, the mustache gives him a little bit more gravitas or something because he's just like a slightly goofier without it. I can't describe it. You should do a, like a, a George Lucas special edition where you add a mustache. Oh, like they did in um, in Superman versus Batman or Justice League? Oh, right. Where they, they took, took it away off. the yeah. mustache. Yeah, that <laughs> looked like shit. Oh, it was, it was awful. so funny when I saw pictures of it. it like shit. He looks good now though, man. Okay, cool. He yeah. just has a bit of a like... um. A swervy mouth, like the the lip line goes through a couple of turns. I mean, it's actually very appealing. It's very friendly. It's just not very sinister. Do you know what I mean? Do you see it? Like he's kind of almost got pursed lips. It is friendly. Um, And so that's why I guess with the mustache. Oh, I thought, oh, there's an ad for Halloween. I know. I was like, he's in Halloween ends. Are we going to get to see him next Thursday? Oh, my God. He still looks really good. Oh, here he is in Map of the Human Heart. Look at what he's got that mustache again. He does. He does wear a mustache well. Yeah, and I bet if he rolled up on the first day of set without it, the director would be like, "We hired you for your mustache, yeah, buddy." (laughs) Uh, Because I'm not outside of just knowing him when I saw the commercial for that Robin Hood movie. uh, (laughs) Didn't have no clue really who he is and. and yeah, the fact that they were able to catch Julia Roberts when, as far as they knew, she was about to be in Pretty Woman and was in mm. Steel Magnolias and Mystic Pizza, but not the breakout yeah. star. It seems like this was more like The Stepfather, the Joseph Rubin movie, where it's just like right. good actors, well cast. Pulpy. Yeah, pulpy, pulpy. Uh, but the, um, like, I don't know what. Um, 
So I, I know to ask the question of like, who could it be cast other than, and I do respect that the movie's just trying to be economical and not add stuff. It's just like, he's a bad guy. Don't worry about it. But yeah. like, if it had been, again, this is outside of the budget of the movie, but if it was like a, and the Dennis Quaid right. or Kurt Ru- like yeah. there is a choice to not have it be somebody playing against type and mm. their regular type. Yeah. The superstar version would be like Harrison Ford doing this. Right. And then, cause when somebody's just like flat out villain from the beginning and the actors unknown, <laughs> it helps me buy into it fully, but <laughs> At the same time, I'm not. I have no complicated relationship. No. With well, this. do you feel like they Maybe gave him you shouldn't his yeah. his <laughs> dimension to his character lip service in the very first scene? He gets one moment where she gets sand on his lapel, and he goes, "No worries, I'll go change." We're like, "Okay, we've established him as a nice guy." <laughs> yeah, and that's all you get. Yeah, and and because uh, even the other nice guy thing is a uh, oh he's a psycho, but he's a nice guy is when. He's like, hey, I want to point out to you how the washcloths yeah. are uneven. And then he's just like, it's okay. We all make, that's why we do yeah. reminders. Yeah. And you're like, oh, God. so he's nice about being a psycho. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, nice, <laughs> nice about being psycho, psycho are his. <laughs> <laughs> I did like that whole towel thing. That was pretty fun. Um, uh, yes. Oh, my gosh. I mean, um, even the fact that he has three stripes on his towels or something like that to sort of really line it up almost like it's a slot machine. Well, that, are you a tidy person, Matt? I am. Yeah, I am a sort of I'll fix um, crooked pictures on the wall. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've never done towels. Um, mm-hmm. No, I've never and done I, towels. And I've never made Amanda do any of these things. No, no. no. <laughs> um, I guess I'm more of just a picture fixer and it's i can't tell with me if it's a kind of obsessiveness i i'm willing to admit it is but because i have such a i don't know where one begins and where the other ends you know like my i worked as a scenic designer and my undergrad was in scenic design my degree so i have a very i also take a lot of pleasure in a picturesque and cozy setting so part of it is me just kind of going like I want to look at this mm-hmm. as, as nice a picture as I can look mm-hmm. at. But there's definitely also a little bit of like straighten the picture. It makes mm-hmm. me, I don't know if it makes me feel better, but it makes me feel bad when it's not straightened, especially too, because we have one corner of our living room that has plaid wallpaper. So when a picture's off, you can really tell because yeah. it's not parallel with the lines and that that's getting at something in me for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. But I will say, because I also lived independently for so many years and then you move in with someone you have to let a certain amount of that go then you have a baby and it's now amanda's who's more that way than i am which i never thought would happen because i've just kind Mm -hmm. of surrendered to the fact that it's i'm one of three people in this house so i I can't i can't just keep fighting that battle even if it wouldn't call it a no mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. yeah so now i'm a little more relaxed probably than Amanda even. It's interesting how we've kind of switched places because she was very just loose with everything. Mm-hmm. Now she's like really likes to keep a tidy house. Um, yeah, it, it is uh, interesting how a, a child, a baby does change the um, scale of what's considered tidy. Yeah. Because I, I, I'm a tidy person. I would say, you know, I'm a, 
growing up, I was very tidy, mm. almost on a OCD level. Level, and uh, now I'm tidy um, to the extent that I like to think it doesn't um, preclude me from living a productive life. Yeah. And doesn't annoy others with my tidiness where they're like, yeah. where are my shoes? You know, that never ever happens. And I don't ever want to be the tidy person who's somebody like, I just put this down here and you put it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Same. Um, the great thing is my wife is a tidy person. And so that's nice. when we both like it to be clean and tidy and uh, when one person is doing it, we're appreciative of the other person's. That is a nice place to be. Amanda and I have that after we put Glenn to bed. We, she kind of like tidies up stuff that matters to her and I tidy up stuff that matters to me. Mm -hmm. And it's like 10 minutes of work each night and then we kind of relax. It, it, there's also a feeling of, for me, tidying is like a, a way to kind of uh, get your world reset and it allows mm -hmm. me to relax after I've done it because I feel mm -hmm. like I've accomplished something. Mm -hmm. Without a doubt. When it's I was a kid, I was very sloppy, super messy. Mm. And then around high school, my mom and I redid my room. And then this new environment I had that was got to be my choice in terms of decoration and all that stuff, something clicked in me. And I've always been a tidy person ever mm. since that. Yeah. It almost, yeah, you needed like uh, some, it to be restored to or I guess, zero yeah. or something to, then, yeah. And just some ownership of like, I had an investment in how this looks and it's, it was, she, my mom was so good about that. Like, what's your vision in this? Like, what do you want this to be? And, and so nice. it feels like you're doing it. So you take some pride in it. You yeah. Know? You're getting your own like micro version of Julia Roberts when she's like taking the sheets off and painting the house yes, and restoring exactly. it like, and then getting to claim ownership because yeah. you did the work of making it that way. And yeah. Do you and Leslie have this? I will say I'm more of the tidier between Amanda and I, uh -huh. but Amanda's more the the cleaner in terms of like dust and germs. I don't think about dust and germs. I think about what my eyes see. Oh, like it's a picture all for me. Aesthetic. Yeah. Uh, not actual true. I mean, I definitely like wipe counters and stuff to keep that sort of stuff. But even that is because I don't want to see fucking gunk on yeah. the counters. So I, you know, yeah. it, it doesn't really get at the like, because I want it to be clean and right. safe. L yes, Leslie is more of the, let's make it legit clean, yeah. not just tidy. Right. Um, and... Uh, Growing up, my dad was tidy. And um, do you remember that Phil Hartman sketch on SNL? The anal retentive? Yeah, guy? the anal yeah. retentive chef. Yeah. I don't know if they did an anal retentive fisherman or something. There but, was, yeah. Yeah, they yeah. did like variations. But the joke would be, he's going to show you how to cook a, a, a fry an egg. But he doesn't even get to it because he spills a little bit of something on the counter. And then... In cleaning it up, he eventually, like, the way he throws away <laughs> yeah. the paper towel that he wiped it up is by putting it 
in a paper bag, folding the top, stapling the top. The staple gets a tear. So he puts it in a bigger paper bag, <laughs> folds that, I and then puts this. it like in a garbage cozy yeah. that he's handmade. Yeah. And he's just like, the joke is like Phil Hartman's like doing like a very fastidious yeah. man. And, you know, my family and I, we all hoot and hollered about Same that. With mine. Yeah. And uh, when, in a way that I uh, don't, I like to think it wasn't punching down on my dad, but uh, our family would like when he would tidy, we'd go the anal retentive play, play, play. Yeah. You know, we'd like tease him about it. And so <laughs> when Sleeping with the Enemy came out, this was really funny to us that like this is how the guy like torments her is by tidying things. And <laughs> so was your dad pretty? Did he expect you guys to be? To his level, or did he understand that? That's no, impossible? because uh, or, or or he understood he was okay if somebody left something because it's something to tidy up. Then oh, that's funny. Yeah, it wasn't like a, you kids are always messing. It was just like because yeah. I do agree with you. I at the end of the day to go tidy up, listening to a podcast mm. before dinner is starting to get made. It just really helps. It's it's funny that you say theater terms because it is like a scene change. It's almost yeah. like a light going down and back where you just kind of like <laughs> readjusted some things to make it feel like it was a different time. Yeah, it really feels good. That's, a, you know, COVID, I started taking, now I'm fully on the end of the day shower. It breaks up uh, like a, um, I don't know, it just like breaks up like day to night. That is good. At 6.30, hop in a shower, mm. get out of the shower. And if it's uh, every other night, Leslie and I do bath in bed with our daughter. So if it's my night, then I hop in and start doing that. Or after a shower, then it's like, okay. That's nice. Ready for the evening. That's nice. Yeah. Uh, Oh, I mean, let's just, uh, we talked about it with Fatal Attraction when that kid's wearing a big long shirt Uh and watching TV. But like, as a grown up, to take a shower and then sit down with wet hair, smelling great. Yeah. And like drinking water and watching it. I was like in heaven. <laughs> warm milk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Warm, the warmest milk. Um, but, uh, 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 yeah. Um, so just, uh, real quick that the, the, um, 20th Century Fox logo. Yeah. Um, there was no fanfare. No. But, it was just some gentle romantic music by Jerry Goldsmith. Is this score? And I like this movie. Don't get me wrong. Is this score maybe too good for this movie? Yeah, it's it's a, it's a sweeping drama, not quite a thriller score. Yes, it's very similar for me. I'm sure Jerry Goldsmith did so many scores, but it's really similar to his score for Psycho Two that I love. Oh, yeah, because it's um, he's obviously like using Bernard Herrmann, uh-huh. Alfred Hitchcock kind of score stuff. But he adds this like sort of like tragic romance, like mm. all the music here. It it did always sound like lush and romantic mm-hmm. at, at the same time being uh, suspenseful or scary. I'm uh, so ready for this type of score to come back in the movies. I've, I've talked about it before, but just the pulsing Hans Zimmer kind of thing. I'm just 
give me some melody, give me some sweeping and swooning. I'm not yeah, asking particularly, for too much. Yeah, for the fucking uh, thematic quality of it all. Yeah. It's really, it rules. When you watch Raiders of the Lost Ark, oh. you're the score a little bit. You're like, okay, that's him when he does something heroic. Oh, they're doing a minor key version of it. They're doing that. Yeah. And you, then you can tie all those moments to like, this was his, whatever. I'm saying the obvious thing. It's no, just like. you're right. Give me a theme. It, the theme help, guides you along. Yeah. It's funny because I remember when Fight Club came out, uh, uh, David Fincher on the commentary was like, the Dust Brothers, he was like, they were kind of the best choice to make because the movie is a little all over the place and so it'd be hard maybe for a conventional composer to be able to find like a mm. theme mm. and like keep going back to it and doing different versions of it but it was almost like to be thoughtful about that that's like the train was leaving the station i can't think of a time after outside of john williams uh like there being like this kind of like no you come out of the theater going ironically <laughs> I have to say it's Hans Zimmer for the latest Bond movie because as much I love early huh. Hans Zimmer but the Inception Hans Zimmer that was yeah. great for that movie but yes. then ten years of yes. everybody doing that yes. and now he goes to do a Bond movie and it's really sweeping and lush and I really liked it I also love David Arnold's work for the Bond movies mm -hmm. but Skyfall started to get Zimmery and mm -hmm. Spectre was like a like really unenergetic version of that and. Yeah, I just I hear you. I that to be able to go back to that uh, old school composing would be really great. Who's Spike Lee's composer that he often uses? Uh, I don't know. You know the he's really you know good. the composer that I'll add my asterisk to of like they're doing good work is the Michael Giagaccio. Oh, uh, Giagaccio. Michael Giagaccio. Giacchino, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. I don't think that's how you pronounce it, Matt. I think it's Giagaccio. I think you're right. Uh, uh, his, his, I remember his music for Lost being like, yeah, he has identifiable Well, and The Incredibles too, very Bond. Yes, yeah. yeah. yeah and yeah, he yeah. did Rogue One. And then uh, the uh, I'm uh, contradicting myself in the post 2000 thing, but the theme for Up, oh yes, uh, is yes. totally um, him. Um, uh, or is totally uh, memorable and not just a drone. Who am I thinking of? Um, who scored? Uh, uh, his name is. Hold on, Terrence Blanchard. Oh yes. I've really liked his scores lately. Are they um, John Williams or they're, more John Williams kinda, or more Hans Zimmer? They're sort of in between, but in the best way. They're they're very they they're very melodic, but they're not symphonic usually. Mm -hmm. But they're just very memorable, and I feel like they have themes and stuff like that. Uh, so he's where's some what's his filmography? Um, uh boy, I'd love to tell you. What if it was all the um direct to video Sandlot movies? <laughs> it was all the uh late stage children of the corn. <laughs> all the late stage corn kids met up with all the late stage sequel pinheads. <laughs> and all of them were like, What's happening with us here? I guess I'm thinking Did you watch these? <laughs> oh, he did the Princess and the Frog. Um he did Black 
Klansman, which I remember really liking. Oh, yeah. That score was great. Um, but I thought he did more. Am I also thinking of Carter Burwell? Who Carter Burwell, the Coen Brothers uh, composer. Yeah. yeah. Um, he should have changed his name to Composer Burwell. Because that's what he does more. He's not carding that stuff. I mean, he might no. be carding instruments in and out of the yeah, recording studio. Yeah, and why is studio, Jerry but... Goldsmith writing music when he should be smithing gold? <laughs> and don't get me started on Jack Horner, that creep. Uh, well, don't you think uh, uh, he Jack is sort Horner, of... I mean, John Horner. Oh, John, yeah. Well, uh, don't you think he is sort of smithing gold for yeah, us? Yeah, he is. You know my uh, theory about the, uh, the Fablemans is because... About 10 years ago, I did figure out, like, I was like, Spielberg. Oh, Spiel. Story. Yeah. He's the king of stories. When Story he, Mountain. Uh, Story Mountain. Uh, but then the movie coming out about it is The Fablemans. Uh-huh. Oh, right. Oh, yeah. Um, we'll see. I haven't seen it. I'm very stoked. I am, too. Um, but uh, uh, wait, why were we talking about the people's last names? Composers, I think we'd close Jerry that Goldsmith, yeah. Jerry Goldsmith, yes, yes, yes. Um, should we take a pee break? Oh, sure. Should we be peeping with the enemy? <laughs> peeping now. Hopefully the enemy, not the enema. <laughs> <laughs> with Corley and Rust. With Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Okay. Did you, what were your feelings on the, speaking of music, the yes. classical music that he plays... Yeah, the sh- the shining music. Yeah, that's that. Uh, <gasps> Who's the composer? Ber- now I always mispronounce it because when she says it in the movie, it was not what I thought it was. But what did she call it? Ber- Berlioz or something? I don't know. Uh, Bolognese. Bolognese. It was <laughs> Michael Giacaccio. Yeah, Berliaccio. <laughs> but did you notice the second time they use it, and it's like their postcoital scene, and it's a crane shot bird's eye view on the bed and it's almost feels like the opening shot of the shining where it's just kind of tracking uh, through the winding sheets of the bed <laughs> a little volkswagen going up other yeah it's a uh, bold choice right to for something now so iconic yeah it seems like a weird bite 
like there's not other spooky music that he would play. It'd be a little bit like if he played the Exorcist theme or something, like tubular bells. Yeah. Um, You'd be like, hey, seek out your own other creepy. I uh, know. uh, Also, it was funny when he did it the second time. (laughs) I was like, hey, no king shame. If you like your weird music (laughs) to have sex to. But spice up the weird music, yeah. my man. You're using the same weird music? He's like, no, I like my particular weird music. I guess, I mean, he is kind of obsessive. It, yeah. yeah, so. He he notices if it was a different, like, version of that. He's like, He would, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He would. Mm, that cello seems out of tune. <laughs> I mean, the way he talks is so funny. Like, uh, uh, when they're sitting at the table and he goes... Uh, uh, how did he put it? Um, I wrote it down because it was like, well, it doesn't help that he's disguising an Irish accent and only somewhat successfully throughout this film. Oh too. my God. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, what he says, if I had to guess you were deliberately provoking me into a quarrel. I know. I was like, That's the other thing he's straight from the 1800s. <laughs> Madam. Uh, <laughs> Oh, I did not know he had a little uh, uh, Irish accent. He's Irish, yeah. Um, was was that guy. affecting the uh, the Laura? The Lauras were pretty crazy. Yeah, Laura. Yeah, yeah. He was really overselling Laura, Laura. But that's you know part of the reason why he cooks in Patriot Games is he's so he Irish. can just play the, the head of the it. IRA faction that shoots off to get a little more brutal. Oh, is that what happens? Uh-huh. Does he survive? Well, no spoilers. I'll never tell. <laughs> um, uh, okay, so when he shows up and they're talking on the beach with the seagulls flying mm-hmm. around them. Um, I think you could tell like they had to like ADR that because the seagulls were so loud. So like their voices were. They had to ADR like, the seagulls. Matt? <laughs> oh, no. Did I kill your. No, dog? this is what's great. <laughs> Look at my notes. What if they had to ADR the seagulls, <laughs> not the actors? <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you for coming in. I'm your engineer today. <laughs> Yeah, if you want to just, there's water in there for you, and then there's a little uh, knob to you can control your headphone volume. Yeah, no, we're sorry. It's just, it was really hard to schedule yeah. Julia Roberts and Patrick Bergen, so we yeah. just decided to go the other way and bring in some seagulls. And action. Beep, beep, beep. Well, let's give it one more shot. I think you're a tad bit early. Yeah, can we watch that again just to see? Yeah. Beep, mm. beep, beep. Okay, now, 83 thousand more times <laughs> starts losing his mind <laughs> um, um, yeah and then uh they get into that room oh my god you mentioned the party yeah when they, they prep out and they go that party is so sensuous like yeah. not in a sexual way yeah. just like a it's well lit yeah it's at night outdoors that song the I just wanna be close to you. Who was that? Tony, Tony, Tony. No, it's something like that. I just wanna be close. It's to beautiful you. and like, uh, God, if they had just spent forty-five minutes at that party, 
in the movie, like yeah. 45 minute screen time. I'd be fine with that. Me Just, too. Yeah. But that song on a loop. Same. You know what other party I want to go to is the Nakatomi Plaza Christmas mixer before everything goes wrong. <laughs> Which is a... Uh, just a a wing off the restaurant at the beginning of Fatal Attraction where they're having the book release party. Yeah. Yeah. That's not that. What if all three of those parties are being held in the kind of like same high rise banquet room <laughs> areas? Oh, I heard a cool little piece of trivia about the Nakatomi Tower. Uh, what? That in Blind Date with Bruce Willis, there's a shot. Behind him of yes. the tower being built. That's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you could go to any movie party, would it be the Halloween Resurrection one with the Pulp Fiction guys? <laughs> <laughs> or you probably would go to the Scream Party, huh? What? The final Scream Party? Would you? No, go to that? I don't no. want to die. No, that's true. What party? I mean, that's oh, a, yeah. I know what. If I had a nice suit, not the dirty one in the middle of the movie, but the beginning uh, Eyes Wide Shut party, Ooh, yeah. that little holiday party. Yeah. I'd go to the party party, the movie, the party. With, with that rascal? Yeah. He's going to mess everything up for but you. that swanky 60s, go oh. see Birdie Num Num. Oh, and go they got be- the little um, uh, duck tank water stream that's running through yeah. the- um, And to have- Dinner with Wyoming Bill Kelso and John. That's that cowboy that's in that movie. Isn't that the name of John Belushi too in uh, 1941? Oh, if it is, they took it from this. Wow. Hmm. Hmm. Well, we'll let their lawyers figure out that one. In court. I'll see you in court. God, it's crazy to imagine they're going to be using this part in court. There'll be like these two podcasters noted this and this yeah. is where it all began yeah uh yeah and then when they get back that's when they fully start showing you that he's a psycho because he's making love to creepy music <laughs> and working on a solo flex and the two two psycho flags Solo flex and creepy music, yeah. And psychoplex. Psychoplex, yeah. Because uh, that's obviously an American psycho. He's like working out and you're like, oh, yeah. he's crazy that he's doing this. But the, um, We're going to see Halloween Thursday at the psychoplex. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not. That's a Hey, lie. with the amount of horror movies in theaters today, the multiplex has become a real psychoplex. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Is psychoplex a word that that's a play on? No. We're, we'll be right back. <laughs> Even though we're a commercial. <laughs> you know what the, the, I wish some sketch would do? Because uh, I don't find myself now. I'll probably be in a position to be writing uh, professionally like sketch comedy in a format like this. Yeah. But I've always wanted somebody to sketch. When they do a show, uh, like they go, hello and welcome to boom, 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 boom. And then at the end they go, join us next week when, and then they get one extra joke of like, well, our guest will be, blah, yeah. blah, 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 blah. I just wanted to, before that part where they go, and because this show is just seven and a half minutes long, we'll see you next week with our guests. <laughs> just acknowledge how it's fucking insane at all these sketches, the shows, the episodes of these shows are. <laughs> <laughs> Five and a half minutes long. 
Who's ever seen an episode of TV like that, man? Sure, I know it's a sketch. I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. Oh, I've become a real man of the people. Oh, go yell out the window. Paul's just turned bitter. All he does is oh, these tirades. So mad at the time, not not, not honoring time. Accurate, real time. Yeah. Um, and you find out, uh, yes, the washcloths, the can labels. Um, he uh, He's an investment counselor. Now, he works on the mainland in, in Boston. So does he take the ferry every day? I, at first, I was like, is this a vacation home? But I thought not. this was a vacation. This is their home. regular home because she's there. Oh, damn. I think. You're right. So he just goes because you never see them. When she leaves, he's bopping around that house still. So yeah, this isn't a vacation home. Yeah. So he's making a big commute. That's probably, you know, why he's such a jealous man. Why? He's got a long commute. Just to, to be like think. To I think don't, and don't for thoughts. her to be too far away. Yeah. If that dude just got a job around the corner. Yes. Hey, this is my advice to him. Yeah. Just get a job near her to keep tabs on a woman at all times. I don't care if it's a little produce mart. Get a job around the corner <laughs> and you'll have a happy marriage. Now, in the, we, you know, we were talking in previous episodes how these thrillers are maybe just like extreme versions of real problems. Mm-hmm. Um, it does seem like this movie is about like the like the thriller version of being the extreme thriller version of being like in a bad relationship, a controlling, uh, yeah. yeah. And how do you move on after you are in a relationship, yeah, like that and with someone like that? Well, uh, you take swimming lessons and then go jump off a boat, uh, at, with. The only moment of narration. That's right. It comes in late, and then you think it's going to be there, and it's never there again. No, and it's funny because that, yeah, she just, it pops up for that one moment. She goes, I knew I had to take swimming lessons for all those weeks. And I was like, oh, this is cool. For the rest of the movie now, it's going to be like, Her and story. then this yeah. and that. Nope. That's weird. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> it was just, I do, are people too dumb? But like what? they can't just do that story in images, like yeah. cutting back and forth and have people figure it out. They might be because I did have to ask Amanda. It's like, wait, is she taking these swim lessons before this happened? Or are we seeing her now learning to swim because she's got agency and she's empowered? And Amanda- I think, yeah, I think they had to like probably put that in there. Because- well, but it still didn't work for me. <laughs> That's how dumb. Well, uh, what- well, I knew an ADR part that was added for me. Which was the whole time I'm watching this, I'm like, what twinkle of attractiveness did this man ever have that she fell in love with him mar- and married him? Has zero charisma or likability. Yeah, and, and I would just see... Um, you're on Julia Roberts' side, obviously, but like... It does a detriment to her character if you're like, are you stupid? Like you didn't, yeah. there was no red flags about this sort of behavior. And that's maybe what I get out of like having a Dennis Quaid mm. or whoever that yeah, type good point. at that time. Because then you're just like, there must have been something there that she 
found lovable. Did you read the original casting? Wait, was it in Brantley's notes? Yeah. No, what? Who? <laughs> Kim Basinger. Oh! And Sean Connery. Uh, yes, yes. You mean when, before it was Julia? Yes. Oh my God. Isn't that... That's crazy. Weird? Yeah. Because then it becomes like somebody's story is different. Like, or you're telling both I of their stories. I would love to see the Connery. That Connery version would be... But could you imagine him being abusive to a woman? Hmm. <laughs> Let me look to his real life. Oh, I'd rather not answer. <laughs> uh, yeah, the uh, be- because right when you don't see, I, I my confusion the ADR that clear or not clarified. You could just tell this came out of some test screening. Yeah, uh, where people were like, "Why is she with yeah. him?" When she's on that bus and talking to that woman who gave her an apple <laughs> then they're talking there's a point where it stays on the woman's face and you hear Julia Roberts go at first he was so charming yeah. tender then everything changed yeah and it's a little sped like she's got to get it in in a yeah. certain amount of time and-, and it's like okay that helps but it still doesn't explain like that's still that person's perspective the red flags I still feel like for sure. For sure. It's one of those things you just have to take. Like, he's a villain. She somehow got swept up. You're they exactly right. About- I don't know what I'm asking for because I love that the movie's economical and it's just like, he's a bad guy. She's trying to get away from but him. But you're right because she does talk about how happy she was when she met him and they got married. She said it. the one thing that's on screen is she says, yeah, uh, right, that. And then she says, everything changed after the wedding. Right. So it is like- but- what I still can't imagine right. this guy being so charming. Maybe it was like on the wedding night he started growing a mustache. <laughs> Did it? She was like, if something changed about him, he grew it first as a beard and then shaved the beard part that just had the mustache. The, that scene on the bus reminded me of Snow White because she's in a kind <laughs> of black page boy wig. I know Snow White doesn't have a page boy, but she gets an apple from an old lady. And also with her hair extensions prior to that, she looks like Ariel. She looks just like Ariel at one point. Oh, well, and it's funny because when she puts the wig on as the man later, I was like, oh, she's, it's an early run for her Tinkerbell look later that year and hook. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, the, um, I mean, her hair is. Uh, unfathomable. Julia Roberts is amazing. That head of hair. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, she disguises it on the bus, right? That yeah. that was cracking me up because it did seem just such a like an idealized version of the Midwest. Like you can always depend on the kindness of strangers, sort of thing. That uh, like yeah. the guy who lives in the modern beach houses. Can only be a dick. Yeah. And then the woman riding the bus to the Midwest is like, would you like an apple child? (laughs) And, you know, she pulls into the town square and there's a sheriff and a man in overalls putting up the flag. Also, a reflection of the American flag in the, when she's looking out the window. Yeah. I know. Yeah. yeah, It also seems like noon. What what are they getting? They're getting to this flag a little late. (laughs) Yeah. And also, she's coming in then after like a long night. Like bus yeah. rides, so she's probably like, "Oh, get me! Oh, I stink. Everybody else stinks." Yeah, that's supposed to be uh, Cedar Falls, Iowa. 
uh, later right. the mom goes, she lives in Cedar Falls. Yeah, so uh, you see it on a like banner too. Yeah. Um, uh, the college at Cedar Falls is the University of Northern Iowa. Mm-hmm. Um, and I uh, auditioned to be in the theater department Oh at the University God. of Northern Iowa. So Ben could have been my drama he teacher. He would have been. He would have been. It, it, it only makes sense that he, that actor playing Ben would have been my drama and teacher. And you would have done plays where his wife would have come to see you, and that would have been Laura. <laughs> yeah, and he would also talk about plays with only the themes that the movie he's also in shares. I like, you know, we've talked about oh, that trope in movies. If oh, anybody's yeah. ever talking about a book or a play or yeah. goes to see an opera, it has to be about what the movie's yes. about. So he's like, has it, have any of you ever felt undying yeah. love? A love that cannot be stopped. Uh, yes. And then it like goes over to the guy's shoulder. What was that? Three sisters they were doing, I think. Chekhov. Oh, well, it's funny when she put that men's wig on. The, I was thinking if when she was on the bus, if she could only speak in uh, lines from Twelfth Night. <laughs> Like somehow is possessed by that wig. <laughs> How will this fudge? <laughs> yeah, what's the what's your favorite line from Twelfth Night, my bud? It's got to be. Um, is I have two. Okay, that's great. When I love Sir it. Toby Belch tells someone to go. He says, "Taste your legs, sir." <laughs> like use your legs. Get out of here. Taste your legs. That's I cool. Love that. And then someone asked. I think it's Toby Belch again like a question that he wants to answer yes to. And so instead of saying yes, he goes like, did that work for you? And he goes, mm, like aqua vitae to a midwife. <laughs> <laughs> and I wish I would remember that more when people like, did, did that, did that drink satisfy you? Mm, like aqua vitae to a midwife. Oh my God. Oh. <gasps> and the delivery of <laughs> Johnny Carson. I know. I was in a production so where I played Sir Andrew Agachik a couple times and the Toby Belch, we, we played it a couple times together. And that's what we were doing was the Art Fern, Johnny Carson thing. For some reason, it just really like really fit that. I don't know why. And he would go, hmm, like Aquavite to a midwife. I had friends who cleaned out uh, dormitories uh, at our college um, over the summers. They'd stay in the town and then clean out the dorms. And they worked with people who also just lived in town or grown adults who didn't go to college there and would clean. And uh, this one guy... They told me, you know, you put those like bedding with the elastic over the beds. So they'd have to strip the uh, beds and then put clean. Like, uh, um, like a fitted sheet? Fitted sheet. Yeah. Um, but the one that goes on it, that's not the, it's like the so. top sheet. Yeah. Uh, so people don't piss on it and stuff. Like a padding. Oh, like yeah. A, a, a mattress. Right pad. above the mattress. But yeah. it was like a fitted thing. They put it on. Oh. I'm doing, uh, you didn't hit your button at one point F. Five times here, accidentally, everybody. I'm just talking extra fast. <laughs> <laughs> when he put it, because the story sucks, when he put it on, the guy went uh, to my friend. He's like, oh, got it on great. Like a condom on a wet dick. Oh, God. Was he kidding? No. Oh, and also, God. that's not, what? A wet dick? I don't think. Can have a condom just go on it? Wet? I guess it just slides better. I don't know. This is also the guy who said he used to do uh, weightlifting championship stuff. And he once did one with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, no. This guy was a real liar. And he won. And he said he could tell 
that this guy's name was Robert, that Robert was really nervous. Oh, God. And he came over and he went, this is what Robert said. And I've used this line. This is my line that I use as much. Whenever I'm, like, nervous, I'll think what Arnold Schwarzenegger said in this situation. Robert, don't be so nervous. (laughs) (laughs) I doubt Robert was ever (laughs) I'm going to call bullshit on that, Robert. Uh, Speaking of that condom line, I had a friend a long time ago who said that one time... (laughs) He went out with a girl, and when he came home at night, his dad was sitting in the living room, and he goes, get any stank on your hang down? <gasps> in front of the girl? No, no, no. Just to the son. Oh, but, but still, still, that's outrageous. <laughs> I had a friend who his... Do you hear about that condition where your testicles get like wrapped up and they kind of like one in flames? It it happens. No. I think it's a very rare thing, but your testicles get twisted and then it kind of gets big. And as he woke up one night and his ball sack was like, getting oh, like bigger. in Johnny Dangerously, Antiasis of the of the <laughs> nuts. Yes, yeah. yes. And uh, he went and woke up his parents. And his how old was he? He was in high school. Oh my god. Uh. And when he woke up his parents, his dad saw it and said, what have you been messing around in? Oh, like he's been screwing something and got an infection or something? Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Do you know how crazy that is? This guy, very lovable, was certainly a virgin. Like, there was no way that this dad ever thought that... He thought his son like was going out and getting like strange and getting STDs oh, that I were like you inflaming like, his like American pie, like a pie, like what what you've been putting it in. No, Nutella. it was like you you got some sort of oh, VD geez. here. Oh God! And so for him, it was like d- two crazy things. It's yeah. like my balls are twisted up and getting bigger, and my dad thinks I'm a, like a sailor who goes down to the docks and picks up ladies, <laughs> been messing around uh, and stuff. Um. I have I have a quandary with my rating system. You know, mm-hmm. a couple episodes ago, I, I revealed this good movie, good day, good oh, movie, yes. bad day, bad movie, good day, bad movie, bad day. Love it. I've since I'm hesitant to do this, but I'm I'm feeling like it needs an okay movie, okay day, perfect, okay movie, okay day, okay movie, bad day, okay movie, good day, good movie, okay day. But then, mm-hmm. I mean, am I getting too in the weeds with that? No. Uh, were they getting too we- in the weeds when they had different colors for threat levels in the early oddies? No, we appreciated Good having point. multiple levels yeah. in terms of how much we had to be scared. Yeah, when you think back and knock the Bush administration, you don't think about that. You think, like, give credit where credit is due. Threat level amber, threat level chartreuse. But how many permutations does that make then? Like you can do so many, right? So that's four levels. Four, three, four. three levels on each side. Mm-hmm. So bad, okay, good. But I think it's that's what I yeah. Sorry, it's what's like three cubed. Nine. No, I'm so bad at math. I don't even know the theory, much less doing the practical version of it. Well, we got some uh, math heads, I'm sure, out there. If they would have figured out the yeah. various permutations you could have on the good, okay, bad, 
um, scale uh, uh, on both sides, day and movie. Yes. Uh, so what was your experience with sleeping with the enemy with this? Well, I, you know, I'd actually put this in good movie, but mm-hmm. I, I'm, I've been feeling like I'm going to come up against this. In fact, I've, I haven't finished it yet, but I've been watching Brave with my daughter and I like Brave, but I don't know. It's not a bad movie. Maybe I'd say it's even a good movie, but I know at some point I'm going to have just an okay movie. Yeah. Uh, okay movies and okay d- days are kind of built in. So I know. Uh, I, you're I you're right. To, 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 um, that has to be a factor. Let me see. Um, not all movies are good or bad. Not all days are just like good old people. Or, yeah. Uh, here, what are, what are the last movies I've logged? Um, Matt, yeah. Captain's Log, my letterboxed uh, log. Uh, I just watched Star Trek Four. It was pretty good. <laughs> well, I did log. <laughs> I did log sleeping with the enemy as okay movie, bad day. But I think I'd maybe put that good movie. Bad oh, you're day. using that scale in uh, Letterboxd? Yeah, I'm tagging them. Dude, that's awesome. I didn't know that. But I think I need to change that to good. Follow movie. Matt Gorley at Letterboxd. Is that okay? I put that out there. Do you know what that? No. Yeah. That's that's good. I'm going to change that to good movie, bad. I had a, we had a rough day at the house here because. Oh, when you watch Sleeping with the Enemy? Well, by then it was a good day because we were done, but we had a lot. What was the bet? Well, Glenn got scratched by Margot and she's just been a little sick and not sleeping and stuff. And so then, you know, like that, that kind of tension starts to, you feel it in the house and you get Mm -hmm. stressed and a lot of work and. Amanda's exhausted, you know, because Glenn's really clingy to her. So, mm. yeah, it wasn't, wasn't like a horrible day, but just yeah. not the best. Yeah. Oh, sorry about that. Oh, hey, man. Um, I mean, there's it's good that the movie was, didn't feature babies or cats, really, so you didn't even have to. That's right. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, or maybe it would have been good because then you had had something cathartic. That's true as well. Like the movie, if uh, I heard the original ending for this movie was a cat and a baby shaking hands. So. <laughs> <laughs> Out of context completely. Nodding while uh, 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 cameras flash. <laughs> I wish. Oh, God. Somebody write the movie where, or every movie should end that way. Yeah. A human, it doesn't have to be a cat each time or a no. baby. I'm just saying that a human shaking hands with any kind of animal should be yeah. the last shot of every movie. And, and in the freeze frame of yeah, it. The, yeah. Psh, psh, absolutely. Psh, psh, psh. Freeze frame. Absolutely, freeze frame. Freeze frame. Um, it is also. It's funny that it's a bit of a reversal of the fatal reversal attraction because in that one, cozy marriage, adultery, yes, uh, can rock that. In this, right. not solid marriage. The fear and suspicion of adultery is the thing that like seems to be the m- motivating force for him possessing her. Well, isn't it funny also to think that technically Julia Roberts is an adulteress in this movie? She's cheating on her husband. <laughs> <laughs> That's like such a gamer gate. I know. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, so we're celebrating women who run off from their husbands and shack up. Who lie, who don't have the courage to walk away <laughs> above board. But you're right, because the uh, divorce hasn't been 
finalized consummated <laughs> you, have, you consummate divorces right um yeah the 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 um but i guess she didn't hasn't really done more than kiss this new man so how much of it is it in <laughs> marriage true but would you but fake a death does that void the the marriage license is it it is the illegal to fake thinks? a death right it's what it must be illegal to fake a death right right I bet if they put this through the trial, though, extenuating circumstances, they'd say, okay, we know why she had to. Oh, really? I know someone who might beg to differ. <gasps> your, your client is Patrick Bergen? Yes, oh. Mr. Mister Someone McBurney. <laughs> Mr. Mustache Mc, Mr. Mustachio <laughs> Pete. Come on and look at my sweet. I would invite, Your Honor, I would like to make a jury field trip where each of the 12 jurors and the two alternates in turn get to run their soft little digity fingers through the whisk broom down in softness of my client's mustache. That's right. You feel how soft it is. You'll think different about him. Every kiss from this man is not only a passionate gesture of love, but is essentially cleaning your upper lip. It's a two for, oh it's a two for one. Does he do, does he charge extra for this? No, he does it out of the goodness of his heart. <laughs> Southern lawyer, I have to admit, I was like, how are you going to be able to defend this man? But <laughs> with this mustache, it's clearly a villain. But when you told me, that his mustache is soft and hygienic. Uh-huh. You know how Not I guilty. Know. Let's go to exhibit A. 14 hours of footage of my client continually bathing his mustache in a resting home drinking fountain. <laughs> lapping up water in a ladle formation to clean his own mustache so as to be hygienic when he kisses and cleans the upper lip of his chosen and dedicated spouse. He would never cheat on her. Not the same I can say for that Virago vixen of a harpy. Look at her. Look at her. What hair is even hers? Oh, oh. she yes. Oh, does she wear a mustache? She tries. Little bit. Looks like an eyelash to me. Did your eyelash fall off and rest on your upper giant upper lips? Okay, she's not accused of any fashion crimes here, Southern lawyer. That's what you think. Let's go to roll tape of her trying on various Renaissance snoods and pilgrim hats. I thought that was cute. I thought that was charming. I motion to dismiss this juror for bias. <laughs> Who are you? I'm uh, Eric Roberts. Oh, no. That's my sister, and I love her. Nepotism. Who are you? Emma Roberts. Holy shit. What's going on? Who are you? Mr. Roberts. What's, is that a Kevin Costner movie? I forget. Is it? Uh, Mr. No. Roberts is a movie, I think, about a naval warship. You're right. The uh, one with Kevin Costner is Mr. Uh, whatever it is, your friend Matt and me should watch it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mr. Burke or something like that. Fine, but I gotta go. I'm uh, representing um, this hand that's been rocking a cradle. Oh, oh, a little preview. Uh, yeah, I'm in pre-trial right now. We're going to court soon, and I gotta get up on. <laughs> and who's your client? Rebecca De, De Lesme, May, May, Nay. 
What's Rebecca, the opposite of what a whore says? Yes. Or no, I guess opposite of a nay is a yay. Right. <laughs> Rebecca de Lone. Or it could also be Rebecca no yay. de Evening. De Evening. Ne- Rebecca Instead de of- Morning. <gasps> evening. Rebecca de Evening. <laughs> Either way, she's innocent. Rebecca de Evening. <laughs> Can you do a Java? Re- oh, oh, oh. Rebecca de I can't. Look, this is Southern Lawyer <laughs> doing it. I am representing Jabba in the Boonta Eve trial of the century what over there. Is you are, in the, yeah, over there in Mos Espa, they got a trial going on. Wait, oh, you're not a fan of Star Wars and doing it. <laughs> You represent Java, Java and Gordola. I'm representing all the huts. There's a big mafia trial. What about Goal? Who Goal? Who's remember that little tongue that hangs by Java the with the eye? Oh yeah, or it's like a tongue that just. He's an expert witness on tongues. Because Jabba been looking, licking things and people oh, yeah. been taking it the wrong way. A lot of tongue stuff. Yeah. Jabba. Well, I'm, I'm, that's my specialty. I do law for tongue stuff. <laughs> yeah. Oh, your other client is kisses Gene Simmons. That's <laughs> right. He's a real asshole. I have to say I didn't try as hard for him. <laughs> yeah, I know probably nobody blames you for that. I really do have to run. My seersucker's been sucking. Sears. <laughs> for, for, I, it's my Sears sucks. It turns out is actually a, a Mervin's blower. What? What? Sears sucker is a is a oh a Macy's blower. Oh my God, Southern lawyer! What are you doing? A good question. I'm charming the court. You're. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I've had a judge bang his or her <laughs> gavel and yell. You're in order. Just to just to <laughs> just to remind you that you are just to like affirm what I'm doing is so good. I've had I've had rival attorneys stand up in the middle of my of my closing sentiments and say, I don't object. Sustained. <sighs> Okay, I got it. They would be so moved (laughs) to share their neutral feelings. That's exactly right. I do have to go, though. I'm going over to golf and stuff to ride on the go-karts for a while. It clears my head. Yeah, it clears my head. Then I got a meeting with George R.R.R. Martin. For what? He's a bad guy? Well, he didn't write Game of Thrones, but... Who did? George R.R. Martin. This guy has three R's. (laughs) Oh, it was you in that movie? Yeah. Okay, I, re- I really, look, I get it. I'm a charismatic fella. I know, people you're People want to be around me. I got to go. I, I'm worried if I marry you, everything will change. You're so charismatic <laughs> and tender. You should see me with a mustache, but it's not Halley's Comet year. The mustache thing? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I love Southern Lawyer. It's great to see you. I apologize. Um, when you were saying it was like soft, it's probably like bristly. I imagine facial hair stubble is not, is more harsher than softer. Yeah. On a woman's or a man's skin when somebody's being kissed. 
he's he seems soft to me. Yeah, I'm stroking um, my own sort of beard mustache. Yeah, right um, I guess I've never been able to grow one. To and I didn't tell you before we started these movies. Yeah, uh, it is so sad to me that next week is already halfway done. I know. Uh, I was like gonna grow try to grow facial hair for the thing and it was gonna be like funny of like i got a beard for this and it's oh. growing out each week i gave it three weeks it was so pitiful man. no i, I thought just, it looked good mm-mm. because i miss big spots it's blotchy have you ever given it just a, a real amount of time and then that just by the sheer length of it all it it, comes it was in? three and a half weeks that was the longest i've given it that's as long as you've ever given it? Yeah. I thought it looked good. It was going to be the time that I could do it. I, I gave up. Really? What about just a mustache? Why do I put that emphasis on the word like that? That's <laughs> well, I thought mustache. when I was shaving, I did think the mustache was coming in okay. Yeah. But mm, no. I, 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 have a, I have a kind of aspirational <laughs> thing where I want to have a mustache. And then every time I shave my beard down to a mustache... It's just one one step too far, but at some point I think I will. Too far. It just feels like as much as I want to have it, it starts to feel a little bit like a costume mm-hmm. as opposed to just kind of a mustache. Well, I mean, we're just not – we're coming back into mustaches, I think. Yeah, who's the the trustworthy mustache right now? Is Good there a question? There's definitely yeah. trustworthy facial hair, like in – Romantic comedies, whatever now, a trusted, like in this movie, yeah. a trusted figure is a bearded person. Yeah, beards are in like Flint. I mean, oh, they're everywhere. It's almost, the if 70s. you don't have a beard, you know. <laughs> Believe me. <laughs> but yeah, are there mustaches out there right now? There is. I mean, someone. if Ryan Gosling wanted to. Yeah, or Chris Evans. Or DiCaprio. Right. Wanted to just be like, hey, I want mustaches to be in and be trustworthy again. Someone had a mustache recently. Who am I thinking of? Is it a little more stylized, like a more kind of... Yeah, I I have noticed that when I... I have had a mustache for brief spells. I won't keep it long, but when I do, mm-hmm. it's better off if I trim it a little at the top. N- not where it hits my nose, but so it like tapers down a little bit. Because mm. otherwise I... There is there is a world when I have a mustache if I don't trim it it goes below my lip a little and I have the right glasses that I'm really looking Ned Flandersy. <laughs> Especially if like I have a sweater on or something, you know. So it's a tough call. Yeah, uh yeah, it is um like it's funny that it is like the same thing as your pubes, right? You mean hair? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. not the top hair, though. Your beard hair is more like your oh. armpit and... Because it comes at the same time? Uh, or just you mean, d- like, in its consistency. Away. Yeah. It's, like, wiry. Yes, right. Um. So, like, yeah, when you're, like, saying, like, clipping it above your lips, it's like, yeah, I wouldn't want a little... In fact, I, like, uh, when I was trying to grow it, I kept wanting to lick the edges and oh, it yeah. seems so weird that have I was you, doing have it. You, yeah, there's times where I want to pull that soul patch area. If I pull my lip into my mouth, I can flop my hair up into my mouth and I like trim it with my teeth. 
Oh, it's nice. Weird. I would love to have what you the chin thing just to be able to because like, hey, it stood the test of time. It's a good thinking motivator. Like when I got a little whiskers, I even kind of use it just to like when I'm sitting and thinking. Gives you something to. I'm surprised because the nineties are so big right now that that goatees aren't a little more prevalent. Right or the big sideburn craze yeah. that was happening around this time. Yeah, Carnival climaxes too with Child's Play three and this movie coming out the same year. Oh right, when's Fear? Doesn't that have a carnival? Thing? Yeah, it does. Yeah. Uh, and I guess Strangers on a Train has a carnival at the end. Um, yeah. So those four movies. Right. And what's that Guillermo del Toro one from? Oh, the, the Freak Show movie? Oh, yeah. Uh, Darkened Alley. <laughs> what is it called? Al- some Nightmare Alley. <laughs> yeah. Should have been Darkened Alley. Darkened Alley. If it had 200 extra million clams at the box office, <laughs> a should. Excuse me, uh, Mr. Independent movie producer, shady independent movie producer. Uh, uh, This is our first time doing business with you, but you can back that claim up? Yes. Uh, uh, Use. (laughs) Me's? Ease. Okay's. See. (laughs) See. See. Cerrado. See. Abierto. Uh, um. Now, just one of the, uh, you make a good point. You know what we were talking about? Yuppies? Yeah. Uh, uh, She's kind of, when you were talking about her as the wife, like, she seems like maybe she's like a yuppie against her will. I think that's the implication. She doesn't like this yuppie lifestyle. It's obvious she doesn't like the guy. But when he like shows up, it is funny when she goes like, when he shows up and he goes like, bonjour, madam. And she like closes her eyes. Yeah. It is funny that this is also maybe just like a dark comedy about being with a really annoying person. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> like, yeah, the way he like terrorizes her at the end is by annoying her with like his tidiness. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but like, oh my God, could you imagine if you were married to a guy who comes in and goes, bonjour, madam, and thinks he's being charming? <sighs> I'd close my eyes too. Yeah. She's been yuppie napped. So she wants out of the yuppie lifestyle. This is like the fatal attraction thing. She's trying to get away from yuppiedom into the country where the real people live. That's right. Heartland. Where Paul goes and auditions for the theater department. Oh, God. Um, now she does. Right, right. She does the. Oh, oh, oh. But the funny thing about the. Um, is she kind of a kept woman? Uh, does she like the yuppie lifestyle or went out of it? If you do look at it, like their relationship, the way he like gives her gifts mm-hmm. and calls her princess, it is like a thriller version of Pretty Woman. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Like this would be like the sequel to Pretty Woman after things got dark. Yes. Right. And he's like, I can't trust you. You were a prostitute. You're going to fuck around on me. So I'm going to keep you in this beach house away from everybody. And then she has to fake her death. Actually, Richard Gere would be really good in this role. Yeah. And then they could get some like bogey Bacall, like movie relationship going Well, and Unfaithful, I think he plays like the cuckolded husband in that too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that would have blown people's minds. I know. If Richard Gere and Julia Roberts play two different characters a year later and it's a thriller. And he has a mustache. <laughs> yes. He would have to because he, could he do would it. have to differentiate. Yes. Yeah. I mean, they play different characters in Runaway Bride. 
Right, that's but, right. Um, I believe that was another romantic comedy. Yeah. Uh, when she has the flashback to the swimming lessons, it's funny. It's very um, the hero version of Gone Girl. Oh, yes, that's right. That little switch where she's like, but I didn't. I actually had been prepping this way the whole time. Oh, that's right. And maybe that's also why I thought the voiceover was going to carry through because then she has those journals that like work their way through. I mean, Gone Girl is brilliant how they then use that narration to. Who has the journals? In in Gone Girl, right? Yeah, but she doesn't have journals in this. I'm no, saying but in that's Sleep with the Enemy, trope. Yes, Girl. But it's kind of a twist. It's upended that she's faking the yeah, scrapbook. Right. That's right. Um, but yeah, this was like I it definitely gave me that Gone Girl charge of like, oh, yeah. cool. I didn't know. Uh, Can you explain to me? She takes swimming lessons because she knows they're going to go out sailing. Is that much time passed, or she just? figures at some point they'll go out sailing. It's, it's weird. Okay, so she planned on that she would have to swim. She planned on that she would need those broken lights to be able to guide herself home. But Wait, the broken lights to guide herself home? Uh, yeah, she threw those rocks up at the lights, and then when she was swimming back, she saw the two darkened lights on the pier, and that's where she knew to swim back to. Oh, wow. um, and then when he stepped in glass... Yeah, I caught he, that. He looked up and saw the broken bulb. It oh. didn't really pay off. It could have been a way that he starts going like, oh, wait, why was that broken? Why would she? Uh, I, You know what? I didn't connect that she was. I connected that she broke the lights, but I didn't connect. That's what she was doing at the time was premeditated it was, because it was before that. It, she says it when it's all happening during that flashback to her at the mm. YWCA. So- a lot of stuff is coming fast and furious at that point. So I if see. you didn't catch it, I uh, don't okay. blame you. But the um, so she planned on that. She planned on the swimming. But the thing she really lucked out on was the bad storm. Okay. Yes. And but but and the guy inviting them on the boat trip. Yes, that too. I guess she was just planning. There's eventually, inevitably, going to be a time where he asked me to go on a boat, oh, yeah, and I'll have her. to be prepared. Yeah. But yeah, she lucked out that. <laughs> this guy moving in is saying you can use my boat at some point and then also uh yeah that there was a storm right. that night well we also learned that she quote studied gymnastics she didn't necessarily do them she studied them <laughs> that's like what uh speaking of like theater and stuff i remember somebody said they should have said when is rehearsal next but they said when is practice next oh yeah and the drama teacher went practice is for volleyball yeah. theater is rehearsals yeah. yeah i would do the opposite of that in pistol shrimps radio without even thinking i'd say when's intermission <laughs> now at her <gasps> funeral it's funny how they obscure her birth year with a lily that's in front of it and then, but then it moves enough that you can make out that it's 63 yeah, she's, so I, I she's can only, 27 in this. Yeah, so I can only believe that she's the uh, reincarnation of John F. Kennedy. She has to be. Yeah, and so it's sort of tragic that she's being tormented this way in her life. You think she would have been able to find peace? Well, and the fact that the guy that played Ben played Robert Kennedy oh, in so sad. I mean, this is all the number 23. It's there. You just have to look for yeah. it. Yeah, I can't believe they even made these choices because no. you think it'd be distracting for the average moviegoer. Yeah, everybody, once you see that and everybody sees that, you can't see it. You're not watching the movie. Yeah, can't you see it? Can't you sheeple see it? Yeah, just look. Uh, the... Uh, um, so yeah, at that like half hour mark, 
she is faking her death, tucking some white shirt into jeans, mm. uh, and uh, hitting the town. She uses a wig then too, right? Mm-hmm. So there's three different wigs in this movie? Two. 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 Two wigs. Do you think it's the same wig as in that um, Mike Nichols movie, Closer? Oh, that who wears Natalie that? Portman wears. Seen that. Do you think she was like, Mike, you know what? I actually got a wig. Yes. I wore it to be with the enemy. Yeah. It's like, good, good, good. And this wig, we passed this around. It's the Sisterhood of the Traveling Wig. This is from Chicago. This is from... Um, Dorothy Parker in the vicious circle. Uh, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Are you talking about that haircut? The yeah. little, yeah. The black page boy thing. Yeah. Bob. Um, I think I could pull that off. I think so. Um, the um, welcome to Iowa sign when she yeah. arrives. I love that sign. Yeah. And as an Iowa boy myself, I wish there were more signs like that. I think that was designed by Hollywood a, a non, wizards. Uh, yeah. Because it, sweet corn is delicious and Iowa sweet corn is very tasty, but I don't think we would advertise that on the sign. Really? But what would you advertise? Um, the spirit. <laughs> the spirit of freedom and independence that runs through the rolling hills. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, but it was weird it said... Back home, ask for Iowa sweet corn. Back home. Back home, ask for Iowa sweet corn. I feel like that's them saying, we want to export this to other states, so let's get it going. Because it it just seemed like it could only be talking to her. (laughs) Like, back home in the Midwest. Oh, yeah. Like, who's driving there and is like, it seems like a very narrow audience. Yeah, it is weird. Um. But I I do like um, sweet corn, and then it is a very idyllic town square. Oh yeah, not true Iowa. I looked it up. It's South Carolina. Yeah, I was hoping it was in real Cedar Falls. No, um, but when she has that yuppie dream of moving into the country and restoring that house, oh, Matt, yeah. that montage. Of her throwing off dusty sheets and painting walls and buying flowers. And then it caps off where she's on a porch swing yeah. at sunset. Like she's worked all day. Oh. But yeah, very satisfying conclusion. What did she pay for the house? 700 a month. Okay. Not just $700 down. Uh, I mean, she's <laughs> renting it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And she's getting this money, I guess her and her mom have? or No, she... you see in her go bag, she has a bunch of hundreds wadded up. Got it, got it, got it. I yeah. missed that. Um, and a passport and a gun. No, that's born. Jason born. Yeah, if she also had like we all kinds of disguises. Oh, yeah. And tech. Not just a Michael J. Fox disguise. You think that's, a that's who he looks like? She looks like. <laughs> I was trying to pin down, but Michael J. Fox is very female yeah. like he looks like a beautiful woman so but even her posture that she affects is kind of that like slouching michael j fox yes hey hey doc uh the um so then she meets this dude 
And he doesn't have an untrustworthy mustache. He has a trustworthy beard. I guess, but that's an untrustworthy mullet. And he's often got a mock turtleneck on too, so I don't know whether this guy's coming or going. Yeah, mock turtle just sounds like fake man to me. Yeah. Untrust. Well, I did think like, you know what? Loris Picker for men might just be a little off. Right. Because he's giving out red flags too. By yes. like scaring her at night, threatening sure. her about the apples, showing up at her door. Then when she's like, leave me alone, he shows up again. Like, You know who seemed pretty nice was the original guy that asked him on the boat. Yeah, that nice uh, waspy fellow who yeah. lived next door. Oh, speaking of that, waspy, you can't tell who's waspy in this movie because it is probably the whitest movie I've ever seen. The only oh people God, of color yeah. were, as far as I could tell, two students in Ben's class. Wow. Just in the crowd, but like in the town, everywhere. Yeah. It is so yuppie. So white yuppie. Yeah. It's like a, a <laughs> either world is, they're saying people of color don't exist here. And if they do, they're in theater because it's exotic. <laughs> the exotic theater department of a Midwestern college. Yeah. Um, I did get the vibe like, yeah, I know Ben's the good guy, but you really get a vibe that he's probably sleeping with students. He seems like the type. Yeah, the way he's talking so romantic as a way to engage the class. Yeah. Also, for a teacher, now you were a drama. I technically still teacher. am, yeah. Yeah, so the... um. Like, I can't imagine you ever trying to engage the students by talking about, it was Three Sisters, you think? I think it was. Talking about it in such a sultry way. You wouldn't do that. No. Also, I'd never cover Chekhov. <laughs> you don't like Chekhov? No, I do. I just, I was always just teaching like oh. beginning acting or improv or introduction to theater, which is more of an academic class. So I never had to really cover Chekhov yeah. or anything like that. Of of all the playwrights, uh, Chekhov is the one who has the quickest access to my little heart. Man. Is it really? Yeah, his observations of like of, all the classics. You mean? Yeah, yeah. His observations about people are just so hmm. rich and true. And I have to admit, I'm not really timeless. that well versed on Chekhov. Um, I just never got on my radar, which is crazy to have two theater degrees and. Oh, well, not to say that I'm a student of, or like I couldn't yeah. tell you more than three plays of his that I saw, or you know. Uh, but yeah, um, who your boy Sh Billy Shakes? I suppose, yeah, Billy Shakespeare. I mean, but I he just has that. adore it. Yeah, he has that and poetry. That's true. Like uh, rich, timeless observations about people. Yeah, yeah, with That's a little. True. Magic thrown on. <laughs> uh, closest we'll probably get that is a uh, consenting adults. I imagine. Oh, yeah. I hope Especially so. I hope those that two whole thesps, Klein that movie's, and Spacey. That whole movie, I better be in rhyming couplets. Uh, for people who don't know the the consenting adults premise hinges on something that when I saw the movie like four or five years ago, I was like, "Whoa, oh." Okay, that's what. So people would have stayed for a treat. Don't look it up, right? But we've already talked about it on this. Podcast. I don't think we have. What the, what the what the thing is? Yeah, we have. We have, haven't we? Or did you just tell me off mic? I think I told you off mic. Oh boy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
Uh, Get ready to be ooked out. <laughs> uh, when he gets that call from the woman where he starts getting the tip before they do that crazy shot of like, my world is falling. Oh, yeah. The from the YWCA. Yes. Right. And she's like, oh, we just want to. That woman couldn't have sounded more spookier and conspiratorial. <laughs> I know. She's like, we we did many swimming lessons with your wife. It's like, come at it with a different tone. Uh, <laughs> Maybe you wouldn't come at me and just be like, oh, she's confused. She delivered it in such a scary way. He had no other choice but to follow up with her. Maybe he wasn't going to do anything bad until he heard that. And exactly. He was so triggered by that woman. I think Again, she could have I'm said all those exact same words. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, and whose fault, you're saying? It's not his fault. No. Clearly, he's triggered. Uh, but you wouldn't ever fear a man who's singing West Side Story while hosing the... Probably not. <laughs> I'd fear him in a different way. Like, this guy's just having too much fun. When she meets him, her her fake name is... Sarah Waters. Waters. Yeah. Do you think she came up with that while she was climbing out of the river? Yeah. Out of the lake? She was like, what should I name myself, Sarah? I always like that name. What else? Mm. Looks down at her feet. Waters. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's smart. Yeah. Throw people off. Call yourself Sarah Dirts. I know. Why she wants to like not leave a trail. And she, why also did she leave her? move her mom because it would make more sense for her to leave her mom where she was. Oh, that was so Or did confusing. he, oh, she moved her. Cause did she already have a plan to go to this town? So she moved her to a town that she would be in. Yeah. Oh, oh. Okay, so yes, she was sorry. planning that as she was doing the YWCA swimming lessons yeah. and stuff. And that's why he later he found out that she, uh, okay. Okay. Yeah. But although, well, we'll get to it, but I did think it was a little muddled. Like when she's in the house, when like the shiny music starts playing, and yeah. she was like, <laughs> does she not remember like putting that tape in and playing? Or why would she even own that tape? The fact that she doesn't immediately see that as a cue. And then she goes up and sees the bath running over and doesn't see that as a cue. Like, she waits a long time. No, it's when she puts the music on, she says to herself, she goes, oh, Ben. Like Ben's playing a joke. Because but- she earlier said she didn't like that score. Yes, that's right. Okay, weird joke, Ben. That's what I'm saying. You think that? Do you think that's funny? <laughs> yeah, Ben. You think this is funny? Clearly, you only deal with the tragedy mask in your theater department, I not know. the comedy. <laughs> One thing I did like about Ben's kind of aggressive behavior is that when she's being held by Patrick Bergen at the door and he's outside, and they dismiss him right away, he busts in the door. There's none of that like. Well, that sure was weird. Uh, she was acting strange. He just knows right away. Yeah. Either that or maybe he was going to assault her. I mean, yeah, when he came like, in, he was like, who's this other guy? Oh, yeah. weird. Well, I'll just beat him up because he seems to be. Yeah. Uh, I Yeah, I liked, um, I think maybe, my favorite scene in the movie is when the he goes to the blind mom and is like feeding her and stuff because that's just like total yeah. thriller movie yeah, scene that's pretty good uh and i will give a tip of the hat to they found a new twist on the closing the door and revealing the the spook thing when she's they set it up she's seeing like all these weird hints in her house and then she goes and sees the open window and she goes <laughs> the fact that she's not scared of the she open goes, window <laughs> means like oh god we're now this is gonna be scary oh, god she closes it and, you know, your normal brain is telling you, 
a hand is going to yeah. reach her when she goes to right. That's what they want you to think. Right? But when she closes it and the reflection of Ben is in the window of the, she just closed. Yeah. I've never seen that yeah, before. That was pretty cool. Yeah. That brings up something that we, we're not doing best kill for this, but someone wrote <gasps> oh. on the Patreon. I forget who best it was. Thrill. Yeah. Best thrill is a great idea. Love it. So, and we'll have to just quickly go back yeah. to the. Yeah. I yeah. mean, we could do that right now. Sure. Let's do it. So what's your, Fatal Attraction best thrill. Oh, when he walks into the house and his wife is talking to Alex. Yes. And that's good because it's not a jump scare. It's not even a scary moment. It's a total plot character thing. Yeah. It's like, yeah. oh, this makes sense that she would do this and now it's actually happening. And then what about Pacific Heights? I guess when he's in the car. At, when you first see him sitting outside the... No, when he's in the garage. She goes into the garage and he's smoking in oh, the car. Oh, that's good. Yeah. And then for this, would it be that window scene you're talking about? Yeah. Because um, I don't want to just... It, it could be him bouncing back up when he's dead, but... There's a, there's a jump scare, another red herring jump scare with Ben, right? Where he like opens the door or something like that or knocks on the door really loud. That one got me. Yeah. So that one, I think so. Hey, that's thrill. I like that idea. Big time. That's good. Um, and then, Oh, Oh, when the mustache, um, Jackson talks to (laughs) the retirement home woman and what we were just talking about the, Oh, she moved her like six months ago. Yeah. Um, it just cuts away. Like, how did he get out of that awkward conversation? <laughs> like, she just told him, like, essentially, like, he figured out in front of her, like, your wife has deceived you and yeah. he is still alive. <laughs> he was like, well, that's all very interesting information. I'll Thank you. I'll have to look into that when I get some time. <laughs> Meanwhile, back to my very normal life. <laughs> I'll have to look into that when I get some time. Uh, ben wears K-Swiss shoes in this I had K-Swiss shoes around this time I loved K-Swiss K-Swiss shoes K-Swiss was cool when yeah. I'd see some K-Swiss brand Might um, be time for me to get some more K-Swiss maybe Well hey in 1991 the last thing you want to be wearing is British Knights Well according to my classroom in the 4th grade What? Well nobody was visiting Los Angeles in Iowa oh, in my classroom yeah. But if you did, uh-huh. don't wear British Knights. BK stands for Blood Killers. Oh. They'll think you're a member of the Crips. Oh my God. They'll think your Midwestern family are all members of the Crips. <sighs> what a what a edge to be in Iowa and be wearing British Knights and walking around knowing you could get a drive-by at any moment. Well, no, it was... In Iowa, you're safe. Oh, I see. Okay. But it was funny when people would buy it like British Knights. They're like, just so you know, if your family ever takes a vacation to California, you shouldn't wear those. Oh, Isn't that God. such a fucking... That's hilarious. I mean, it comes out of the design of this movie that not, it's like oh, not, safe and secure is Cedar Falls, Iowa, not... Not even that you'd have to get out near Boston and go to Compton, <laughs> but like the second you step foot in LAX... <laughs> Look at that 10-year-old boy with a mullet. The white crip. Get him. (laughs) Crazy, crazy. 
Um, the, uh, um, I, it's confusing to me that he has to go to a private eye to find out the hometown to find her. Well, it's confusing too that he just hires them and the next yeah. scene he's figured it like they just. I think they needed know. a scene to kind of break up the romance scenes between the like, will they, won't they? Yeah. Um, uh, but they find romance at the parade. Will they, won't they? I hope they don't they. I don't know why I wasn't pulling for Ben. Ben. He's just, just a little like douchey. A, yeah. Douchey's right. Yeah. Proto douche. He's theater douche. I mean, it's like, yeah. What do you think about like Julia Roberts? Like she's very winning. Mm-hmm. And. I love seeing her on screen. I will say this happens when a certain star has a certain amount of wattage, like mm-hmm. a Robert Redford, where I'm like, it starts coming off as phony. Well, they must be aware that this is what has gotten them a lot of attention in life. So they understand, even if it's subconscious, how to use it. And so after a while, it becomes a a tool rather than a trait. You know what I mean? Like I think they still yeah. possess it, but they, they know that they have to turn it on. Cause that's what gets the attention, you know? Yeah. It's the thing that we were joking about, like, Oh, we can rap early today because she did yeah. the smile thing. And I think the smile thing is so charming and bewitching, but there is, she knows she's doing that. You yeah. Know? But I guess a- any actor with a technique knows what they're doing. And that's like the impact of what they're doing. It, but there's it, less of a character here and more it's the person. I know what you're saying. Yes. And I think like, right. Those scenes of her like laughing and throwing her hair back it is like not this character. They're just like, we know you want yeah. Julia Roberts right now. And this is the bottle you're going to get her in. It's like Jimmy Fallon breaking, you know, it's he yeah. got a lot of a love for that. And so he pushes it now and uses it, I think. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah so like I think that's also a part of it when the two of them are falling in love I'm kind of like well both of these people are just kind of like a little non-dimensional as characters yeah yeah. Um, but he he is uh, yeah a little pretentio yeah, he's just, you know, but it also feels accurate for the time and place that, you know, they're just, especially early 90s like that, just, you could, you were all powerful as a young white man back then, you know, the why wouldn't you be cocky? Because everything goes your way, you know? Yeah. Um, Not, I mean, he had big shoes to fill too with the, being a year after Richard Gere. And their year after year, is, yeah. you know, off the charts. Yeah. So this guy also has big, uh, um, what are some Bruno Mollies to fill? <laughs> but he doesn't know that at the time, right? Because when they're making this movie, Pretty Woman hasn't come right, out. Right, right, right. All he can do is watch Mystic Pizza. Hey, it's all any of us could do. Hey, anymore. man. In these, these days and ages. And he does, uh, Char, he kind of uh, charms her with theatery. 
with the porch swing and the fake lights, the fake stars. Oh, yeah. Like, he does ask her to come with him a lot. And, like, with no idea of what she's going to do. Also, what a baller move to go, I'm making a pot roast and I'm setting two settings. If you're there, it's like Hyman Roth from The Godfather. Like, if if you're here when I get back, I'll know I have a friend. (laughs) (laughs) I would have been fine with him playing that character, playing Ben. Ben? Oh, (laughs) Lee Strasberg? Yeah. And I'd be fine with Kevin Anderson playing... Hyman Roth, <laughs> it, the way he looks in this movie, and at that age, what he would have been in 1974. <laughs> uh, oh, and they also danced a run around zoo. Oh, that's right. You know the and funny thing, oh, the whole ahead. song too. Basically. Yes. Well, so you hear my girl when she walks in, brown eyed girl when she's in the montage, and then run around zoo when they're dancing. It's three songs that could be describing her. Yeah. And then um, it's funny, though, in in montages that they don't show, like, having to change in and out of clothes becomes a very exhausting process. So the fact that they can maintain the energy level with each costume, I think by the end they'd be like, okay, yeah, that's cool. The overalls, yeah. The fact that she's juggling in giant clown pants and catching him in there and then then doing a Julia Roberts laugh to look to camera. to cap it. Incredible. I um, mean, this every element of this movie is cozy. I don't think there's anything that happened. Even the bus rides and stuff are cozy. Yeah. What were you saying right before that? What uh, are you talking about? Run around Sue. Oh, this and this put Brown Eyed Girl back in the zeitgeist. It was back on the radio like crazy. Everybody was playing this song. I remember. Now it's uh, an oldie staple that. And yeah. Sweet Home Alabama can't yeah. get away from. Yeah. And Van Mo- Morrison's kind of a weirdo anti-vaxxer now, right? Yeah. He's probably like... He and Clapton. Anti-vax girl. Bing, 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 bing. Oh, Van, you don't have to change your lyrics. He wouldn't call it anti-vax. <laughs> well, <laughs> like I, not how he would I wanted to just because it fits so well. It's scanned <laughs> with you, my anti-vax girl. <laughs> Uh, 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 who's this? Uh, 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 come on, baby, jump in the back. I got a sliding door on the side. Uh, there's even a bathroom in it. Van Morrison. Oh, my God. That's good. Thank you, buddy. Oh Thank my you. god. Thank you. Who's this? Um It's in the way that you Eric Clapton. <laughs> Come on, listeners. Stay <laughs> with us. You can do it. You can well, let's do see it. if you We're want to stick around with there. this one. Uh okay. I do. Eric, I can Eric already Clapton tell you I do. Doing a PSA for vaccinations. Mm-hmm. Take it from me. For my advice on the safety of a child, don't vaccinate your kids. Hmm, I don't know, buddy. Should we be listening to you? 
<laughs> what? Come on, let's do it. Come on. We get a little spicy here. All right, home stretch. I really got nothing else. Uh love, yeah. Uh, uh me neither. Love making on the steps would be uncomfortable. Yes. If he's trying to have that be the first time they're gonna make out, buddy, choose a come softer on, spot. Come on, come on. Get a ramp at least. Uh, if you really want to go up or down somewhere, just get a ramp. Yeah, just get a ramp. Or an elevator. Uh truly love the cozy fantasy of two people live next door with each other and at sunset can each be on their porches. I know, but what if other. the relationship goes wrong? Ooh, that's worse than the living in the same apartment building. Yeah, it is. Because that's not, you don't have a mortgage. Oh, and he's, she's going to see him bringing his little theater co-eds home. And right. I've already made this story up. About and she's going to have to see him it. get back together with that mustachious guy. Mustachio oh, yeah. guy. Yeah. Mustachio Pete. With a bullet, bullet ridden body that they found that kept him alive. <laughs> Week, she's Robocop style. Weekend at burning him, burning him. Um, the uh, um, yes, the oh oh oh, the yes. fake stubble. As if yeah. we wouldn't notice that. It's crazy. We see her mom touching her face. And then the next scene, when she's getting the drinking fountain, I know they're doing it because they're trying to make her seem more in disguise around Mustachio Pete. But, like, that was crazy. Yeah. We have eyes. We're not like your yeah. mom. Yeah. I didn't mean it that way. Well, she has eyes, but she they're broken. Yeah, sorry. I, that was dumb. Um, the... Uh, Don't get in a bath with 12 minutes to go. Never. But that's crazy in the first place that they're going to meet up again. And she goes, I'm just give me 20 minutes to freshen up. And she doesn't take a shower. She just relaxes in a bath. In a bath. You're right. And then by the time she's back down there, her hair's all dried. And that is a very, you're right. She took an hour to for sure. Get her vulnerable in the last like 15 minutes. Yeah. It's like, I'm going to take a bath. Although if it was that guy, I would think, oh, I'm getting laid. Somebody wanting to freshen up during right. a day. What else could this mean? I think that I think that implication is. I think that is what this night is heading for until Mustachio Pete shows up. Yeah, they, but they could have been bigger uh, dorks than having that picnic out in the, their backyard oh, at no. nighttime. I, I mean, it's very cute, guys. But come on, do you guys have fireflies in Iowa? Yes. Why aren't those in this movie? Because they don't have them. <laughs> South Carolina. I where they, they don't build. they don't they have them in the South? No, I bet they do too. So maybe they're hard to capture in film. Or still do the like Pirates of the Caribbean version. Yeah. Um Matt, I mean, over the fourth of July, I got to see my daughter running through an oh. open field catching fireflies in a jar. Oh my god. It was really special. Holy shit. You know, I've seen fireflies once in my life and as a Californian, maybe you don't feel this way, but when you really stop and think about it, that's some Avatar level shit going yeah, on. There. It's really magical. It's like yeah. fantasy world, like that's legend when you go times. like, oh, we are living in a situ simulation. We're living in a situation, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a serious situation. Uh, yeah, and then the fact I was saying, remarking on this when we were back home, which was not only are fireflies this kind of like beautiful thing that just kind of exists in our world. They move so softly and gently, they're yeah. really easy to catch. Oh. So when I was a kid, 
I mean, my four-year-old daughter was doing it. She can just reach out and put her hand around it yeah, and bring it in. Why are climates so different? We can't have fire. We can't import fireflies here. Well, I didn't even tell you while this was happening the whole time. Humid is going into a cold night mm. air. And we we have a thunderstorm cooking oh, above wow. us and a, and a lightning storm that's about to happen. So Why yeah. can't we get fireflies out here? Keep your cicadas. Yeah, keep those mosquitoes that have been coming in and uh, uh, biting them up. There or here? Uh, it, well, in Midwest has always had them. Mm. But in Los Angeles, you know, the story over the years, there's been accumulating mosquitoes. Mm. And I get bit by them all the time. I'm, I'm, my man and I are both those people that don't really get bit. Yeah, Leslie doesn't. My wife, my, our daughter does. Um, um, I must have like uh, because I'm German. I must have like some German chocolate, like sweet blood. I think that's what it is. Yeah, I think it's just that's, that's how it works. You have Kinder Egg blood. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but uh. Yeah, the uh, um the ending of this movie's pretty good. I was actually surprised with how quickly it wraps up once the like violence happens and it's almost I would say it's almost anticlimactic, but giving it a little bit of a leeway because it's early in the run of these types of thrillers and then also the kind of tiny twist of her calling in the murder before she shoots is a pretty cool thing. That when I saw that as a kid, I uh, 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 thought that was the coolest thing in the world. That yeah. was so badass when she says, I've, uh, I just shot an intruder. Yeah. And subsequently, when I'm watching scenes in a movie where somebody's holding a phone and holding a gun, I think it's going to be oh, the sleeping yeah. with the enemy yeah. moment. That's how good it is. Is, I want it, it to be- is it after she says that, that he does the eyebrow arch? Like <laughs> He's already got an arch, but okay. then he goes a double Scooby arch. <laughs> 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 It like goes up above his head. The yeah. Because I'm trained to think she's on the phone with them and they're still in for a huge scuffle that Ben will then get involved with and it'll go upstairs and downstairs and outdoors. And, yeah. Yeah. But no, she just takes him down. Yeah. It's a, I really, uh, yeah, I like the ending. I like that it can be without like dialogue. She's walking up to the cupboard slowly and you, your brain just knows what is going to be scary or not. Yeah. If the cupboards are like, it was almost if like uh, Michael Myers was like inanimate objects. Like I, I we know. so boiled down the woman walking through a dark house yeah. thing that you could just make it now like washcloths being the right. <laughs> yeah. And speaking of Michael Myers at this 1991, you could probably count on two hands how many movies have done the double jump, the final, you think they're dead, but they get up. Which for me was mixed bag in this. I would have been actually probably a little happier if they just kept it simple. Yeah, or revert, like then do another one or something just like to, because uh, yeah, Fatal Attraction, it's kind of tough to beat that one. I agree. And, and people are expecting it. And you already time. have this sort of like twist of her shooting him first and then for him to shoot, but the gun's empty is a, it's just a little yeah. diffusing. Yeah, yeah. But what yeah. what have been the you think they're deads and they're back at this point? You've got Fatal Attraction, you've got Halloween, you've got this. There's how many in a Friday the Thirteenth? Probably. Yeah, yeah. Part four for sure. Um. Oh, one. It just happened a few months before that in Misery. Right. Yeah. So um, it's there, but that's. Yeah, whether it's been called out as a, or known as a, yeah. but yeah, uh, the um. 
I liked all that. I mean, the um, oh, I did notice <laughs> when she sees the toaster and it's burning. You know how you're talking about the Julia Roberts like big laugh yeah. sound that she can make. She, <laughs> when she sees the toaster and the smoke, she makes the exact same sound she makes when Richard Gere closes the jewelry box on her fingers. Oh and yeah, it's like. Whoa! Uh, yeah. So it's like, oh, what a charming way to be scared by a toaster. <laughs> she <laughs> is. got it all. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, I like that little ending to uh, the last. Um, uh, uh, that little uh, the shot that it was like <laughs> he's big bloody hand and then the little wedding uh, ring and it goes. Twink. Yeah. Oh, that's what we have to talk about. The fact that the wedding ring is still in that toilet. <laughs> oh, yeah. And he's never used that toilet. And it's such a crazy cockamamie way they get the breadcrumbs yeah. to the toilet. Yeah. Like it's all these other things. He's looking through old documents and it's only because he cuts his finger. Yes. Then washes it off and then looks into the toilet. It was like, I oh, did, so he didn't I'd have to do any of that. So forgotten. He could have just gone to take a shit. I know. I also <laughs> thought when he cuts his fingers, whatever cut his fingers was going to be a clue. But no, you're no. right. It just leads him to the toilet. To look at it and see the ring. Why also wouldn't she just take that with her and sell it? Too. I mean, I get that the like symbolism of flush this down the drain. But yeah, but also watch to make sure it flushes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do that with shit. Yeah, so I don't embarrass myself. Do it to save your own life. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Laura, <laughs> Laura. Uh, when she also needs him in the groin, uh, that was peak in comedy. It's like yeah. funny. So like, it's I funny. know. I felt like they had to slow mo it, so it wasn't like funny. Was there like, was some post production slow-mo in this in weird places yeah yeah but overall uh it's a glamorous slick looking movie with glamorous uh with a glamorous actor Mm -hmm. cozy setting i mean there wasn't one not even like a ooh, she falls into a big he throws her into like a gross trash bin while he is terrorizing her like at no point does it ever become non-cozy yeah well, let's recap. We both gave Sleeping with the Cozy. Fatal Attraction, 13. We both gave Pacific Heights an 8. Okay. Um, okay, I, okay got mine. I got mine, too. I got mine. All right. What are you giving it? Nine. I'm giving it a 9.5. Hey, all right. All right. Very nice. So next week is the hand that rocks the cradle. The foot that rolls the grave. Yeah, so watch both versions yes. to be prepared. With Rebecca De Ibe and Annabella Shiora. Oh, no. Oh, no. Well, we'll figure it out by next oh, week. Oh, no, we won't. But the won't. fact that her name is even Annabelle is scary. Oh, my God. I hope she's not that creepy doll. Creepy doll. We'll find out next week. We'll find out next week if that creepy doll Annabella said they have that rock <laughs> Um So, yeah, get on that Patreon. If by um, uh, next week, at the end of next week sometime, too, will be that Halloween mini-sode for you. Right on. Yeah. All right. Okay. Good work, my friend. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. For more Gorley and Rust content, head over to patreon.com slash with Gorley and Rust to get episodes ad-free and a whole week early. Plus, monthly mailbag episodes and feature-length watch-along film commentaries of your favorite horror classics. 
That's patreon.com slash withgorleyandrust. Email us at withgorleyandrust at gmail.com and your questions might be featured on a future mailbag episode. With Gorley and Rust theme song by me, Mac Wood, and performed by Townland. You can find us on Instagram as Townland Band, as well as Paul's fantastic band at Don't Stop or We'll Die. And why not rate and review with Gorley and Rust on Apple Podcasts? It'll help us grow the show and keep us trucking through the Jasons and the Michaels, the Leatherfaces and the Chuckies, the Aliens and the Candymans. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love. And be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.